thoughts, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself. This fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. I'm good. No, this is not a test. We're just shit. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Okay. Three, two, one. What's going on, guys? (laughs) Yeah, usually Austin does this part, but um, I'm not going to do it. John, how you doing? How does he normally do it, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the weekly call. I've got Ammer out in Obatokes. Ah, of course. And we've got John in Kelowna, BC. Ammer, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Okay, uh, you yeah. okay, so la- so okay, so like you were in Jordan for a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm back. back now. Yeah. I have more notes to share with you, man please um here's some interesting observations that i took away by the way just as a general fact this doesn't mean i'm going to stay in this state this doesn't mean i'm not going to stay in this state just right now as it stands based off my experience of being in jordan right now in my life i'm the least religious currently I thought it would be interesting to share with you. Which is interesting because you're the most religious person I know. Yeah. Um, I've not. That's not true. You're like the third most religious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't pray five times a day, but everything else I'm pretty good at. So the reason I share this is because when I came here at 12 years old, I had this image of what Jordan was and its people and what how they were living their life. It was a really high standard that I set because that's what I witnessed when I was 12 years old. Everybody was pretty compliant, pretty religious. So as I left, I in my head, I had this like identity of what Jordanian people were doing and how they were living. 12 years later, I come back with a different lens. I now know what biases are. I have mental models. Um, I understand human behavior just a bit better. And people are not as religious as I thought they were. People did not think about religion as much as I thought they did. People did not follow, so you know, there's some really did, but most of them, it was just like kind of blind faith based on rocky foundations that are just 
that I felt were mostly committing just classic biases, you know, trying to have a rational conversation about religion so that I can increase my belief system would end up with me leaving feeling less religious. Um, because I, I think I'm pretty uh, susceptible to uh, ba the bandwagon effect, which is, you know, if a lot of people believe one thing, like just by default, I tend to just kind of fall into that bucket personally. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what was holding me up. It's like, man, like all the sacrifices I've been making. And then I go back to Jordan and most of my friends, 80% of people my age drink. Blew me away. That blew me away. Um, all having sex? Mm, no. I would say like... 50% of people that leave the country to study out uh, are doing that. But the ones that stay, it's uh, because of the strength of gossip that exists in the country. You don't want to be known as the guy who had yeah, sex. Yeah, it's fairly minimum. Yeah. yeah. But once you leave the country, uh, I think the uh, the turnover rate is pretty high. Hmm. Because there's nobody that knows you there. You can pretty much do what you have that anonymity. So. Um, there were just things that existed in the zeitgeist that I did not really enjoy. That seemed to be like a misrepresentation of religion. The next uh, step for me at this point is for me to do first principle thinking. And just basically go and actually read the Quran. I've that's the conclusion I've came to if I just kind of relied on the people around me I will not be religious I think I need to sit down and actually just go to the source which I've been avoiding the work to do that but there's no other path to go I feel like everybody's just which seems crazy for me to get to this point this late but I'm here so um yeah like you're just starting to doubt or just you're not even just doubt but just Sort of maybe rethink some of your long-held beliefs surrounding your completely yeah religion. Yeah. It's time to think to think about them, and I do understand that you know critical thought, logic, and all that is kind of very hard. Uh, like the whole point of religion is based on faith. Like in in the Muslim religion, you're called a believer, right? But what are well, the same, same same in Christianity? No, no, no. I know, I know. No, but I'm saying in... in oh, it, it, does the Bible sometimes refer to the reader as, oh, you believer, or no? Yeah, like, like it's oh. like, like like a... Yeah, like something like I'm a man of faith. Oh, cool, cool. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of revisit that. And here's some interesting observations um, I made. If you're driving and you're pulling up to a red light, five lampposts, like, uh, so there's like lampposts on the road, the, the 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 last five lampposts be, before the light have religious affirmations right there. So you know how most time you have it like a speed limit or something like that. As you're approaching a red light or sometimes graffiti all around the city, it's just like, remember God. There's only one God. Ask for forgiveness. I thought that was interesting. Um, Everybody there. Yeah, I think we talked about this smoking, vaping. Uh, 
honking is ridiculous there. It's just like normal. Uh, the, the the most beautiful thing that I experienced there was like the uh, the love of family. I don't know if I touched on this last time, but it's like, I really feel like there is, I don't think I've explained this to you, but I, I felt like there is unconditional love that I experienced there. All I had to do was exist and just receive gifts and hugs and kisses and tears of joy. That's all I had to do was just exist. And there's all this mm. love. And that was pretty amazing. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it seems like family, like like blood is a, a very important thing. Very, very much. Yeah. I uh, hear some interesting things. Um just about people's attitude around work. You know, I talked about like no integrity. I don't know if I talked about integrity last time. Did I did I get into that at all or no? Yeah. Yeah, there's no integrity. I got roasted for having a schedule. They're like, okay, they're a little project manager. Let's what are we doing now? And that was crazy. Uh yeah, no one showing up on time or anything like that. No one showing up on time. Their naps and having low energy is very common. If you look at the diet, it's mostly carbs. And extremely like things that are deep fried or filled with oils. So it's normal for people to nap for an hour in the middle of the day. Um, which is crazy. Just because they're eating so many carbs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then here's some things that. Uh, Interesting. Here's some observations that I made. I think of people misunderstanding the religion that are heavily held beliefs by multiple people in that country. Here's one of them. Good times never last. That's a very strong belief that I've heard set multiple times around by people. What are your thoughts on that? I have my opinions, but I'll give you a shot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess like a, a slight alteration would be like favorable times don't always exist. Right. Yeah, but you just changed like, the whole thing. Be yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know I did. Yeah. Good times what what's the what's what have they worded? Good times don't always last. Or, or good, good times, times never, last? never last. Well, I mean like I mean it, like I guess like you know, like like as in like there's just an existence of cycles. I mean, that's, that's true, but I I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how they respond, like, like what, like what kind of action they're hoping to drive out of that statement. I guess I'd have to understand. I don't know. Maybe there's more, more context. Well, maybe this will help. Um, a lot of people have a belief that there's a limit to your success that is set by God. So you can only be as successful as God has kind of ruled for you specifically which i don't like because for you to believe in that you'd have to believe in a lack of free will because if you had true free will you can actually achieve anything so then you'd have to believe in destiny or like your your life has been predestined and it's mm -hmm. limits to it yeah, I mean, there's a certain aspect of like, you know, letting the arrow fly and then just, you know, being in that state where, you know, once the arrow's in the, 
in the air you just gotta you just gotta see where it lands right so i mean i can i can see that aspect of like you know you know the the results are what god allows like i, I could see i could see there being like you know the stoics talk a lot about you know how th you know things are preordained there's just, you know there's a certain destiny you know for everyone in, in the universe and you know your 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 role is to just respond as effectively as you can and you know the, the rest will you know will land where it lands right so i mean I, I can see where there's a line of thinking there that that's actually pretty reasonable because you know i think that you can get obsessed with like how things are actually happening versus like you can get obsessed with the results when you know whether or not you're actually in full control of the results is somewhat questionable mm. i have a special guest for you just entered awesome. mr austin trudeau howdy Howdy. Was, how's was, my how's my connection it's okay 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 yeah you know i just i just had a a heated battle with some punta cana wi-fi troubleshooting people so i lost by the way so <laughs> fair enough yeah. welcome you know third world country uh internet connection is actually a struggle like geez yeah um, so, so is the water that's I think that's Dude, also yeah. as bad. That's that's a, probably a bigger priority. <laughs> I'm trying to change my views so that I can see everyone, but uh, that's I haven't okay. seen John yet. I just see Amber. Oh yeah, it's just me today. No, no, no. There's John. There he is. Got <laughs> his got a fresh haircut. Are you are you with us for the rest of the podcast? No, I'm with you for like the next like thirty minutes. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, how was yeah, your yeah, week? Just talking. Yeah, yeah. Austin, you just jumped in on, on me, just kind of sharing some some more updates from Jordan, but well, we can mm. come back to that later. I I just want to know, like, if you're only here for thirty minutes, I mean, yeah, yeah. I just want to know yeah, how was your week? So, uh, my week was really good. I I had a um, yeah. Well, well, we came to Punta Cana. Uh, in Dominican Republic on uh, on Friday, and um, we're leaving on Tuesday afternoon. So it's a quick five day trip. Um, really fun to be uh, here with with everyone who uh, on the former trip with yeah with Rydell. So five of the eight franchisees are here with their with their partners or wives, like their their significant others, um, plus Patrick, Adel, and Ryan. Um, and uh, yeah, so, and Rebecca is here as well. I I think you know her, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know she so was Rebecca's there. Rebecca's here. Cool. Yeah, yeah Rebecca's here. Uh, she's kind of like the, uh, she's slowly morphing into the Natalie of Rado, you know, mm -hmm. like just the, the administrative powerhouse mm -hmm. that uh, everything runs through. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, it's just been great the last couple of days. Uh, played some amazing golf courses, just out of this world like today we played a, a pga tour golf course it was nuts like there's there's you know competitive international golf competitions at this course it was uh 
just immaculate, easiest, easily the nicest course I've played in my life. It was so, it was one of those things that like you take a divot out of the ground and you just feel bad. You're like, Oh fuck. Like, you know, it's, it's just like, wow. Like someone's going to have to come repair this. It looks like they have to get like a sewing kit to repair the course. You know, it's just so interesting. Wait, really? So it was cool. Oh man, it's nuts. Like it's out of a, it's out of a, it's out of a, like a magazine. Like it doesn't look real. Like you want, like, you're just like feeling the green. Like, it's like, how is this real grass? You know, like the fairway was literally as good as any other green I've ever played on. Hmm. Like, just think about like, you could putt on the fairway and I would be like totally used to doing that. Just crazy. It just goes to show you like how good, because these nicer courses are harder to play at. Right. Cause the ball, like you hit the ball and it never stops rolling. Like it's really hard to get the ball to stop where you want it to stop. So you just get like another level of appreciation for how good professional golfers really are. <laughs> oh, cause like, like you're just bouncing it off into all the different oh, areas kind of thing. Yeah. Like you can land a perfect shot on the green and then it'll just like roll off and you're like, well, how would I ever get a shot to stop on the green? Yeah. Cause John, yeah. You, you wouldn't take into account rolling on the worst courses. Cause the ball just stops cause it's so badly maintained. But here, and you now have to like think about it. Hits like, like a mud, it hits like a mud rolling. patch and it just stops, you know? Yeah. It's like Literally, a, yeah. It's, it's like, like a mine. It just explodes. It's just, <laughs> it's just so terrible. So that was Wait, fun. so like professional and, golfers uh, put spin on the ball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Think mm -hmm. about that. Like, like Ryan, who's the COO of Rydell, he's maybe like a seven or eight handicap. Like he's pretty good at golf. So he can put spin on the ball and like get it to stop where he wants or at least try to like i can't even begin to understand how i hit a ball with or without spin like sometimes my ball has spin sometimes it doesn't and it usually doesn't have spin or no, no spin at the right time so it's just like a new you know you realize like you, you you do something in different ways in different countries over different years and then you realize you know you have one of those moments where you're just like oh like there's levels to this like you were so ignorant before it's like yeah, obviously I wasn't walking around telling people I was good at golf, but I would walk around confidently and be like, yeah, like I'm a 17 handicap, like confidently. And now I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm like a 25 handicap in real life. Like in, in real golf, I'm way worse. Like I, I shoot, I shoot like seven or eight strokes more than I would regularly. So anyway. Like on, not, on like, like, a, like a professional course versus like. Yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. This isn't a golf podcast, but that was the most recent development today, which has just kind of like blew my mind how good this course really was. So mm. just got me thinking about all these different things. But uh, no, before that, before coming to Punta Cana, um, really, really strong week of, uh, of, of exercising and just like uh, enjoy, I guess like over the, over the past couple of months of working with, with uh, Cam and, and the health coach and just getting really familiar with my body and how it processes nutrients i've been able to find more like specific pockets of what i'm good at in the gym you know and, and i've found that um like i didn't think i was really that good at cardio i always had this story of like oh yeah like i'm just not a cardio guy like i don't have the the the, the, the body for it or the skills for it or whatever like that was just a belief that i had for for you know decades and now, like, I'm 
surprising myself with what I was achieving. I did a lot of, of workouts and, and programming between Christmas and New Year's. And then after a little bit after New Year's as well. And uh, just really, I'm pleased with how I'm proving myself wrong and unlocking new things just based on what I'm putting in my body. So again, it's just kind of making me see again, like there are levels to this, right? Like, mm. <laughs> um, and it is quite upsetting. I'll be honest, like to come to a different country and I shouldn't say upsetting. This isn't a complaint. It's just a, a reality is that, you know, if you come to an all-inclusive resort, you're putting like, just so many, so many different toxins in your body, right? Like just from what's available to consume here, like oh, yeah. nothing, no, nothing you can get here. You can't, you can't find out where it's sourced. Like I've asked people like the manager of the buffet, the man, like there's people walking around that look like they manage the restaurants in this, in this resort, which is a really nice resort, by the way, beautiful place. Um, I'm just like, Hey, like, um you know your beef over there like like do you know where it's from or if it has any they just like laugh they're like no i don't fucking know (laughs) you know (laughs) they're like what do you mean why like why do you care where it's from i'm like i i i have so many answers to that question but (laughs) but like you know like to it's difficult so it's very hard to follow any sort of like health protocol in a place that doesn't I don't really know how to describe it. I don't know if I want to say they don't care or it doesn't matter, but it's just like not on their radar, I guess is a better way to yeah, yeah. to put it. Um, For sure. So that, I experienced then, something um, similar in, in Jordan. Like if you ask those questions, you're the weird guy. You're killing the vibe, Ammer. Like, all right, whatever. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And it is definitely killing the vibe. Like for everyone else who's putting that food in their body, they're like, why are you killing my vibe? Because I'm eating this all week. You know, it's like, let well, me soak in ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, let me, t- like, I'm going to be doing that too. Cause obviously I'm not going to eat nothing, but even just the past four months of like training my brain and my behavior to really question what I'm putting in my body at any given time. And then being in a place that I don't have any control over what I put in my body in a sense, like obviously I have control, but I need to consume protein and fat and carbohydrates every day in a certain somewhat of a, you know, acceptable ratio. Mm. And, um, and I don't really have control over what those are, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's, it's equally frustrating as it is like, it, it really makes me grateful for, you know, the life that I have and the, and the privileges that I have and the part of the world that I'm from. Yeah. You know, it makes you think, so like my grandparents, like, you know, it, like if you look at the places they travel, they basically never go to third world countries. Like they never go yeah. to like resort destinations. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. they, they, they want to go to like Norway, France, Ireland, England. Like, like they go to like places where it's, by all intents and purposes, it's 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 just as modern or it's you know it's just as nice as Canada. Yeah, yeah. and I can see why. Like I can see, like it makes uh, you think like what the actual cost of going to Mexico is. Oh yeah, like it's like what's it's the actual cost of going. To- 
Oh no, yeah, it's way more than a dollar figure because like, what's a week of you know shitty recovery or you know just like putting all these toxins in your body? Like, how much detox? Dude, are you gonna today I have. Yo, know, I don't know if you guys saw on the whoop chat, but I have a six percent recovery today, boys. Like, I am down bad. I am dead. <laughs> that's not good. And that's like that's like not like I I've, I've been having a few drinks here and there, but that's not like anything. Out in, like you know, alcohol obviously has an effect, and it's insane. Like it, nuts. But then there's a part of me that like, you know, I went through this great exercise with Cam about habit containers. I don't really want to give away what it is. I don't know if I have the right to do that, but. Um, well, no, I mean, it's, it's a concept it's a really... we talked about on this podcast before. I wouldn't even. I oh, okay. Cam fair, doesn't, fair, Cam doesn't fair. get a monopoly on habit. Well, tracker, I, I guess. Name no, 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 no. He doesn't get the, the, the trademark on it, but I, I guess I wasn't going to walk through like the, the eight exact questions that I answered of his or whatever, but. Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't go through the questions, but basically just the idea that yeah. like if, if you are going to go on a vacation, quote unquote, yeah. that you understand that it's not like a permanent break from your routine that you that you're like making in, in you know, like a, um, I guess, like an intentional break, but that, that you're going to restart your protocols when you get back, right? Like, or your, your routines or your habits, right? Well, it's also about it's also about acknowledging the impacts that you're going to experience and how you're going to yes. try to mitigate those. Right. Like I know that I'm going to have shitty recovery for five days based on the things I just mentioned and to just go, Oh, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go in the deep end and just say, I have zero awareness for anything I can control for five days is what I used to do. It's like, well, I'm just going to go in and have, have like a complete yard sale of a week and just like ruin a lot of work I've done. Um, and then when you feel like that at the end of the week, you're like, damn, I just feel like I've lost all this momentum. I'm not going to really go back into this protocol with the same level of intention and discipline. And now it's like, okay, well, I certainly can't control that I'm putting zero organic food in my body and I'm putting a bunch of preservatives and herbicides and pesticides and growth hormone and all this shit that I'm putting in my body right now. But what I, what I can still control is not having any simplified sugar. Like I can easily not do that, right? Like not have any desserts, uh, not have any like any of the stuff that's going to inflame my, my gut track and all these things. Like I can easily not do that. But, you know, the previous version of Austin would have just been like, fuck it, in for an inch, in for a mile, you know, let's go, you know? So it's it, the habit containers exercise really does make you proactively plan what you're going to still do and what you're going to not be able to do. And you can factor in some fun for sure. Right. But um, being mindful of your protocols and your existing commitments and the fact that I still have a lot of control over a lot of things. Right. So I guess hmm. to answer your question, Emmer, that's, um, that's my week in a nutshell, especially from a, like, those were a lot of my thoughts that I realized, you know, uh, coming down here and seeing the way I've approached this trip versus previous all-inclusive trips, like with student works and stuff. Um, like I, I remember telling Cam before I came down here, there was a student works trip that I went on that I gained in seven days, I gained 17 pounds. Bro, What? Yeah, like I would say like five days, 
five of those seven days, I probably consumed like 15 to 20 drinks a day. You know, probably had like a hundred drinks in a week, if not more. And just went, just had a, just was an animal, you know, but like had a blast, but my body was just in shambles after no hard drugs, none of that. Right. Just like shitty food and a ton of alcohol. That's crazy. Was this 2019? Yeah, 2019. And then also last year, like last year I did, um, I did like a six week, six week cleanse. And we did, we did sober October last year, like 2021. And I got into like pretty good shape, but then the whole time I'm doing this cleanse in six weeks, I'm like, I'm like, uh, Oh man, I can't wait to get to, to get to Jamaica, which is where we were last year for the trip. Right. I can't wait to get to Jamaica and just like have a bunch of drinks and have a bunch of like unlimited food buffet, all this crap. Right. And I'll have like pancakes and cookies and syrup and all this shit. Right. And then like end of the week, I step on the scale. I'm like, not only have I erased all the work I did over six weeks in seven days, but I actually did more worse than good. You know, it's crazy. Mm, and like wow. that, that, um, that result is very demoralizing. And I remember just thinking like, man, am I ever going to be able to, get this shit under control of like knowing and understanding things. And, and, and I just feel, yeah, I think you can probably tell just in my communication, like I'm just really happy with, it literally feels like I found a new, a new variable to control for, for something, you know, that I just wasn't able to really control for that well before. And it just feels like I have a little bit more or a lot more control and it makes me very, yeah. Yeah, can, yeah, Grateful, Cam, you know, Cam's uh, a bit like, like our, like my understanding of what it actually means to eat clean is just a totally different. It's just that's the new variable for me. Yeah. Like you know, after yeah. working with Cam or like you know working with Cam still is just realizing what clean eating looks like versus you know because before like clean eating looked like yeah I'll just I'll eat like food that you know is in complete junk right but then you <laughs> you realize just how junk ever, like just even thing like, even things that just like you would not. Like a protein bar, yeah, yeah, no, but even yeah, dude, like a protein bar, yeah, yeah, protein bar, but even like uh, like Campbell's soup, it's like seed oils in it, like crazy, right? Like you'd like how, right? Like even like you like even like like when I go to like buy like eight dates, for example, I I look at three different brands, they're all organic dates. One has seed oils, one has added sugar, one is actually organic, just dates, like not no not no bullshit, just only one of the three, you know. So even if you went as far as like and, and on top of it too it was the cheapest one so it wasn't even it wasn't even like if like if you went with the most expensive organic dates you'd get the best no yeah. it was like the cheapest one was actually like so you really have to like check and and see right whereas before i mean like you know yeah it was a free-for-all you know, just to point out that john to reiterate that about uh what i realized you know those rx bars they say like yeah, yeah, yeah. the ingredients on the thing it's like three dates seven cashews four almonds yeah yeah. and then yeah. it says no bs on the label uh-huh seed oil bs in it if you if you flip the back and look at the ingredients there's fucking sunflower oil in it man. yeah it, so it, it's crazy though even so on like, that it's like no bs it's like no no there is bs in it you know like it was well, wild i i was i was saying to cam and, and actually i was even kind of mentioning this to trisha i said i i probably have less ingredients in my like like all the food in my entire household right now i probably have less ingredients 
than some of like maybe just like I don't even know. Like, like there was probably foods that I purchased that had more ingredients than I have in my entire house right now. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, I don't have much more than maybe 20, 20 ingredients or so in my entire house right now. Like, because there's, you know, there's duplications between some things, right? But yeah. there's not that many things that I have in my house, like as far as food is concerned now. Like, like my, like, like my, like when I go grocery shopping, I might only like, like have like six to 10 ingredients at any given moment that I'm purchasing. Even then that'd be high. Like most of the time it's like, it's five things, like, you know, five ingredients that I'm purchasing, right? Five yeah. like whole ingredients, right? Like an avocado is one, you know, one ingredient. Um, whereas, you know, you can go over to like, you know, the grocery store right next door to the health food store that I'm shopping at, and you could pick up literally anything in the aisle and it's going to have like 25 ingredients. Yeah, man, it's kind of crazy. I can't really begin to explain. Like, I it, there's just so many thoughts that I, I should probably write them down, honestly, to get a better understanding of them. But it, for for you know, living 25 years and not really understanding how to feed my body correctly, you almost look backwards and you're just like, you know, you feel like you can only help but question what like the confidence of what you know at any given moment. What's interesting how that's actually one of the biggest step backs for the individual that society or like that, that, that humans have taken. Like we've mean? been able to, well, like we've been able to support more, more like, so we've been able to support obviously billions of people at like 1% off like operating efficiency versus like a tribe right. of hunter gatherer would be like 99% operating efficiency, but you can only have like maybe 25 to 50 people. Right. So like the individual right. was in, in some ways, like from a health standpoint, better off. Right. But not I mean, obviously physical limitations like you know, you can eaten by a saber tooth tiger, whereas now you're not like, so this, you know, life expectancy yeah. is different, but, but as far as like nutritional value, like, you know, like a hunter gatherer probably only eat like a few ingredients a day. Right. Like it's probably a pretty steady, like, like, you know, whole food diet. Yeah. And, you know, like low carb too, right? And you think about it, it's probably mostly yeah. meats and probably some fruit, you know, fruits, but very little veggies, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yo, respect, mad respect to Sully, okay? So Sully just started working with Cam and he had a 24-hour fast during the trip, bro. <laughs> Damn. And he's stuck to it. He looks at me, he's like, Austin, today is my fast. I am not eating for 24 hours. He's only, he only drank water and black coffee. Everyone around him is just indulging drinks. Dude, he got, beers, dude, he got off easy. I had to do a four day fast when I started with Cam. Yeah, I think it's for us heavier guys. It's a little bit different. Like I, mine was oh, okay. 24 hours too. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe Cam thinks we're weaker. Mine was four days. It was so yeah. brutal. <laughs> dude, brutal. four days is nuts. It sucked. Yeah. That's nine. Was that ninety six hours? I don't know. Four no? days. Yeah, forty eight times two. Yeah, ninety six. Okay. Well, anyway. Although I did, I did, I did, I did ninety. Sorry. I didn't do the full four because, like, because I, I was having a huge turkey meal on the one day, so like I like ate like a, like a mm-hmm. small like tiny little pre meal just so I wasn't gonna like gorge myself, you know, to death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, anyway, I was like, I don't know. It's just great to see like. Um, people in our network, especially in our company, there's a few people now starting to work with Cam, and and it's not really about Cam as much as it is just about people realizing that hey, I'm going to invest in my in my knowledge of what I'm putting in my body and how that impacts my energy, 
and how that energy impacts my life and my relationships and my ability to generate business or how my business performs and just seeing how all this is so interconnected. It just feels like, uh, you know, especially with you guys too, doing the same thing. Uh, have you noticed this? To have these types of conversations. hundred percent. Yeah, that was the, and, and so this is a concept that Cam kind of talks a lot about, but it's, it's just shocking. But so for the, for our listeners, what, what Austin are talking about studies of energy is that like, once you get to a, a heightened energy level, you know, like, so you start removing some of these toxins, and you, you start improving your diet, your energy levels change such that you start noticing one changes in your own energy levels based on what you're eating or your activities, et cetera. Right. So like when you've been eating super clean for a few weeks and all of a sudden you introduce like a, like, you know, like a, what's it, a, a junk food into your life, you notice the impact instantly on your energy, but then also instantly, instantly it's just, it's, it's actually shocking. Like, like, cause you don't notice, like I had, like I had four Christmas energy. cookies. I had four yeah. Christmas cookies and my body, and your felt, fucking, and my body yeah, started sweating. Boss. I sweat yeah. through my shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I was no, like, so, dude, I used to dust like, I used to dust like 15 Christmas dude, cookies. I used, yeah. Dude, I used to sit there and yeah. You know, those <laughs> small little like Halloween ones, you know, like the little, like the, yeah. The, oh those, my but, God. Like the ones dude, I would, the Pillsbury one. I, I, dude, the I would eat them raw. Are you kidding me? Like, but, um, <laughs> so, but like, so like, but when you, but you, when you're in a low state of energy, you don't notice these because going from like, uh, 1%, you know, 5% energy to 4% energy to 6%, you know, like fluctuating, like in that low, you, you don't notice as much, but going from like 95% energy to down to 40, it's like, there's a shocking difference there. Right. Um, like, yeah. And then, and then also you notice it the first time this week. And I was like, Oh, Oh no, this is, this is so bad. This is way worse than I ever remember it being. But it's, uh, to your point, it's like, because you're falling, like you're falling, like, you know, your two quartiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. And then, and then the other thing that you notice as well is other people's energy levels. So when you're around other people, just even in public or even, you know, potentially your partner or something like that, or even your friends, you notice a massive energy difference between the two of you. Right. Yeah. And one thing to, to build off of that is when you do start realizing that you do have more like a new echelon of energy that you could attain, um, you actually become weaker to toxins. You don't become stronger. Like mm. when you're in your weaker cell, or I shouldn't say weaker self. Like I, like these are terms that I, I guess I use with with Cam and whatnot. But like when you, like I'll just use it for my sake. Like when I was drinking a lot more, or let's say eating a, uh, I wouldn't. I would just say like a lower quality diet. It wasn't the protocol or anything. I just wasn't really paying that close attention to what I was less optimized my body per se. Yeah. Less optimized. Um, my body was so much use more used to processing like seed oils and refined sugars and refined flours and processed foods that like I could eat it and just feel like fine. But now if I eat something like that, um, it really affects me. But it, it's almost like it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. It makes you feel <clears throat> you, it, my first reaction to this experience, which was with the Christmas cookies, it made me feel sad. And it, it actually made me feel a bit angry too, because I was like, man, is this what I'm doing to myself? Am I making myself that much weaker? And that was my initial thought, right? I can't process this shit anymore. That's kind of embarrassing. What's wrong with me? That's weird. Grown ass man, can you do Christmas cookie? And are you joking? <laughs> like that that was my that that was my thought so and then i written and then i was like i was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. wait hold on 
this is a gift, right? Like I can actually feel the, the impact of what I'm putting in my body. That's the way it's meant to be. Like I'm not supposed to be able to eat a little ball of refined sugar, flour, and shit and feel fine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, like, yeah, when you not, really think about when you really think about the yeah, when you think yeah. about what you're actually putting in your body, it's like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's that like that's actually what's happening. And I should feel grateful for the fact that I notice it or I now notice it, you know? Um and uh but but I did just want to say that because now that like I have a weaker alcohol tolerance, I have a weaker tolerance for any sort of like processed or or, or any sort you know, processed food of any kind. That means that if I cheat on something, if I cheat on my protocol, the impacts are like at least three times larger. You know, whereas before I could like do shit and get off protocol, it wouldn't really matter. Now it matters because there's a pretty big predictable and large impact. So it just kind of keeps separating you more and more from your old beliefs, which I actually find makes makes sticking to a protocol easier because there's a larger impact that's more predictable. It's not like oh, I wonder if eating this will make me feel this way. It's like, no, it will. Like, it, it totally will. It's pretty predictable. Mm. Yeah, good share. Amber, tell me, uh, or I guess I actually, I shared what you said with me last podcast about, uh, about Jordan, about like the hierarchy of, like the social hierarchy versus the monetary hierarchy and how like, you know, you don't really have the same opportunity to accumulate wealth in your 20s in the Middle East as you would here. And I found that really interesting because the CEO of Rydell is from Lebanon. So I, I, I really wanted to pick his brain about this. And I was because he lived in Lebanon for, I think, 11 years growing up. And I wanted to know, like, if he had a similar take to you. And I explained to him. I was like, I'm going to share you something what Amber said about his experience with Jordan and tell me how accurate you think this is for your life. And he literally said he couldn't have even worded a better description himself of how he, of how his, his thoughts are as well on that. Like his family is the same, his network in that, in that country is the same. And um, he told me because he, his, his family is very religious that when he married a woman outside of his religion, that also, like when you said going to knock on doors was going to be ch uh, like a tough look for your family, quote unquote, right? Like if you yeah, yeah, good luck going on doors, a date. Yeah, yeah, go on a date with a with a with a woman who's not within your religion too, right? Like that woman of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just another one of those variables that we didn't talk about last week. That like for John and I, like we don't really ever have to think of that or ever. Or had to think of that at least like i could have brought home a buddhist sikh muslim you know doesn't Dude. matter I, like at all right yeah <laughs> anyway i just it, it what you shared last week was really insightful in my opinion yeah man i was just sharing a bit more Maybe it was two weeks ago uh yeah yeah it was like nine days ago um I was just sharing with John that I uh, that I need to go and read the Quran because everything I've been taught about my religion, I'm starting to realize has been taught through people in the Middle East who have an, 
and live with these cognitive biases. So I really wonder how they coded what the actual religion is. So I want to go back and just kind of read it for myself and form my own opinions about what I'm reading and what it means to me and kind of go from there. But yeah, for the first time in my life, I'm now like the, re the least religious. And when I say that, I mean like I'm the least, I have the least conviction behind my religion now. I still have high conviction, but it's the lowest it's ever been. Right. So uh, this is a very interesting moment. And, uh, you know, when you sit there and start logically thinking about religion and, and questioning it, it's just, which I'm not supposed to do because that's heresy, which I find interesting. But yeah, I have a lot of like uh, thoughts on religion, but I don't know if we have to go down this path, but there's just a lot of things that I've been logically trying to like make sense of that I can't make sense of. And I'm hoping I can make sense of it when I go sit down and do some of that primary research. But a part of me is also afraid that I might just come away from this experience not being religious anymore. And Well, it seems to me that, that if you have me. a certain... Um, sorry, I think there's a tiny bit of lag there. But uh, I, I, I fully support you in doing that, man. I think that's a very powerful direction to take because... If any one of us, apart from religion, take religion out of it, if any one of us had a belief that we didn't feel comfortable challenging mm. for any reason, yeah, it would just be a little bit of like an elephant in the room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you're challenging the belief regardless what it is. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter what it, what it is at all, but... It's yeah. great that it is religion for you and that you'll likely find out maybe a different <clears throat> perspective that you didn't know you had or yeah. a different conclusion that you can come to. Yeah, like I'll share with you. I, I came to a different uh, conclusion about drinking. So because when I'm back to Jordan, 80% of the people there drink, including like my uncle, which like blew me away. Well, Amra, I, I don't think you need to change your views on drinking. Like, if anything, I might become no. religious about drinking. About no, 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 no. Yeah, let dude, me just like, let me finish. Like, let me finish. Like, let like, me this finish. is the Trust worst me. time to jump ship on that one. <laughs> let me finish. You're, you're making yeah, a huge like assumption. John, John and I are like, nah. no, 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 no. Dude, you the know what? I'll tell you what. Austin and I are just become Muslims, and you just swap out. Yeah, two for one, dude. They'll like that. That's fair. That's a fair trade. That's a good exchange. No, listen, listen. Before. 80% of the reason why I didn't drink. Canadian two was, for one. <laughs> was, no, no, no. Before. Oh, I can't. This is impossible. No, 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 no. I love no, you guys. I love you. Before, super simple. Before 80% of the reason that why I didn't drink was logical, 20% was religious. Now it's 100% logical, 0% religious. That's what I mean. Oh, okay, cool. So now I'm yeah. pretty confident that I will not drink alcohol for the rest of my life. But there is those metaphorical truths. Like, have you heard? Are you familiar with that mm. term, metaphor, metaphorical truth? No. It's like it's like like the I think it was a Brett Weinstein Austin. Do you know? Remember the porcupine example? I think it was him. Either way, he was I talking about actually no. This, well, there's there's this idea that like something can be metaphorically true, but but in reality, false. So like the idea, like so like everyone knows like the you know the classic like porcupines like you stay away from them. Because they'll shoot their quills and hit you. Oh, they can't right? shoot anything. That's no, exactly. No, no, oh. but no, but 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 if you were to metaphorically believe, 
right? Uh, that they shot their quills, you'd actually be better off than someone who didn't believe that, mm. even though it's false. Got it. So it's it's like so it's it's information that even though it may be somewhat false, is actually better off. You're better off believing it. So there is, I don't know that that was that was this. That's a perfect example, John. That was amazing. Yeah, I'm going to save that. No, no, no. Well, no, it it was not me. It was actually I'm pretty sure it was Brett Weinstein on the Joe Rogan yeah. podcast. Yeah, you're the messenger. Yeah, I'm, I'm thanking you. I'm the messenger. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I liked that because it's made me rethink a lot of things that maybe I believe that are like that I, that I later found out are false that I'm like, you know what? I'm still going to believe it anyways, though, you know, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, like I'm going to live by it. Right. Like you don't have to necessarily yeah. believe that it's true per se, but you're going to live by the principles in which that, tr- that, that metaphorical truth laid out for you. Correct. Right? Yeah. 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 Like I remember in uh, college, I did a, I was in a neurobiology class and the, teacher had done her PhD or something on cocaine addiction and she took it upon herself to like really really exaggerate the effects of what cocaine does to the human brain because she'd seen the trickle-down impacts of that Uh, and understands how much it can tear tear someone's life apart but at the same time like we all know people that have done cocaine and their life isn't ruined right it's definitely not something that is like a good drug to do, obviously, but <laughs> it's not like you will literally do it once and then you become addicted and then your life is ruined. But she, well, she essentially, well, it very well could. I've never done cocaine myself, but one of the main reasons why I haven't done it is because of that woman. Yeah. She no, was I know very you convincing. No, I know why exactly it would ruin our lives. And, and so it's like, yeah. 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 Um, I've done cocaine. You have? What were your, what were your thoughts? Several times. Yeah, what it makes you, sense. Your yeah, your Ray-Bans and short shorts. That guy does coke. 100%. <laughs> no, I did. Um, I like did, his uh, old version. Ever immediately with the stereotyping? The stereotyping commences immediately. Yeah. I I, uh, I found it unsatisfying. Like, unsatisfying. You we actually discussed this on the podcast before. Yeah, we might have. I mean, I, I used to do it like a, um, during a phase in which I was going to the nightclub every weekend. I would do coke and uh, on the weekends, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I it was like a it was like used as a way of like sobering yourself. So like you know you were drunk and then you would do coke and you'd be sober basically. Yeah. But put, yeah, I but I found it so unsatisfying that I stopped doing it just based on that. Like I was like this like because it's like the most it's 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 a very it's a brilliant product really because it's like it's like fairly high like highly for most people it's highly addicting for me it it wasn't but for most people it's highly addictive addictive um and it's it's very expensive per unit and the high doesn't last very long like i was kind of like i was kind of uh because trish and i do uh weed edibles okay and yeah, that is and I as well. Cheapest, yeah, it's the cheapest. Like it, it's hilarious because I was saying to you know, like, like Trish and I, you know, we uh, for New Year was it New Year? No, for Christmas we went to this resort. Okay, like because we ended up not being able to go to Vancouver, so we went to this different resort, and uh, we did some weed gummies. And I was joking because I was like, because like we were both like you know we did them and we had a great time and whatever. And at the end of it, I was like, yeah, like that was um, actually there's some <laughs> at one time. And this is kind of just a total fucking side note at this point. But Trisha was at one point we were 
laying in bed and you know we, we were high we just finished having sex or whatever and we were just kind of like anyway we were kind of like passing out and she was I was telling her or no she was telling me a story and I was like what did you just say she's like I don't know I wasn't paying attention and then I was like <laughs> I was like, but did, what, did you just speak English though? She's like, I don't remember. Like, <laughs> like she was, <laughs> she was so high. She wasn't paying attention to what she was saying. And she wasn't sure if it was English. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But either way, but I was saying to her at the end of it though, I was like, wow, like we just did like $2 worth of weed. Like, you know, like, yeah. or like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like two gummies or whatever. Right. And uh, whereas I was like $2 of alcohol would be like half a beer. Right. Like, yeah. like drink like like, like you know, the cost per you whereas cocaine is like you could do like sixty dollars of cocaine in like literally half an hour to an hour later you would need another sixty dollars to a hundred dollars of cocaine mm. right yeah so <clears throat> yeah i also knew a lot of people that like uh like you can meet people that drink beer and like you know like they're totally like you know like by all intents purposes totally successful you can be i know people you know joe rogan smokes marijuana like you can you can be okay meeting people that do <laughs> coke though it's a different thing like like the people that i know that went like hardcore down the coke route like because coke coke always starts with like you're doing it like with your friends and you're partying you're having a good time for and sure yeah like where it always ends is like you're like depressed by yourself in your parents basement just doing coke like by yourself you know and, and like that's kind of just where like coke like coke will take like wherever you are coke will just like get you on a linear path to being in your parents basement doing coke alone <laughs> like that's just that's just where it goes Damn. yeah yeah like i i would say like uh several of my close friends like would do it do it recreationally like over the course of a few years when we were younger Thankfully, none of them do it at all anymore. Um, but I, they just say now it's like, yeah, it's just one hundred percent not worth it. It's just a stimuli that is so short lasting, so expensive, and there's no positive end game. Like you never win. You never, you know. There's no winning. Whereas, like, like, you always end up in your parents' basement alone. Yeah. <laughs> Like your parents might be dead upstairs and you don't even know because you're just focusing on a bag of Coke in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, boys, I got to jump off here on that note. I'm going to go do some Coke in my parents' basement. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what your recovery would be on Coke. I really Uh, have to go because I really need it. (laughs) It's all good. Bye. Have a bit of time. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, guys. Cheers. See you. Okay. So Amber, I wanted to read this to you. So I decided this year I was going to start writing memos to my team. Um, Your entire team? Yes. Let me think about this. Mm, okay. What's included in the memo? I'll, I was going to read it to you. So this was my first one. So is this the template that, that's going forward? There's not a template per se. Like the idea of them uh, is to write these roughly once a month. But as you'll see, like I explain in my first memo, like why it may not be once a month. Um, but basically just offering my my views on the business, where we're at, what we need to do going forward, et cetera. Or even just like, just like topics that are on my mind that I think are relevant to my team. Oh, um, yeah. I, I actually do this orally once a month. 
So yeah. Hit yeah. Me. So, so I eventually I want to work towards doing these orally. However, because we don't have a physical location, getting my entire painting team in one area doesn't seem as practical as just writing a memo and just having everyone read it. Uh, yeah, I like it. Let's hear it. Okay. So this is my first one. So this one, uh, was sent out basically right at the start of the year and it's called on growing prospering from where we are hello team this will be the first of many memos that i write for you going forward my aim is to write to you on a monthly basis however the frequency will be determined less by time and more by whether or not i have things of value slash importance to share the general goal of these memos are to inform you of my thoughts on our business and anything i think will help us prosper and grow going forward ultimately I view each and every one of you as a partner in the business. Each of us has our own talents and skills and hopefully roles that allow us to contribute the most we can to the success of the business. Each of us gets paid, if not entirely, mostly from the success of our efforts. Our painters are paid based on their efficiency, profit sharing. Our operations managers are paid on their hourly inputs alongside bonuses based on their performance. Our sales manager is paid solely on the profits of their projects booked. And lastly, I'm paid solely on the dividends of the business after all necessary reinvestment slash capital expenditures required for ongoing operations and growth. As you can see, we're all in this together and are aligned in one common goal, which is the success of the business. Somewhere along the way, this mindset has shifted in society and owners and employees entered into the lingo. I don't view things through the lens of employee and owner. I truly view this as a partnership. Every one of us has our own goals and aspirations in life, which seems to be at first glance separate from our own, or sorry, which at first glance seems separate from the business. I disagree. I believe we are all working together and our goals, although unique to our own lives, are achieved through this partnership. Our business is painting, but that's not the important part. The important part is that we attempt to help each other achieve the most we can, given the business we all engage in. Success to me is that we are all aligned in working towards one common goal with honesty, prudence, resolve, industry, frugality, and courage. On that note, here are two ideas that I want to briefly explain that are vital to our success going forward. One, our reputation with our community, which includes you and I. Our shared interest in having the business achieve high gross profit margins. I'll explain below. Our reputation in our community and our gross margins actually go hand in hand, but for now, I'll explain what I mean by our reputation. Well, actually, I'll let Warren Buffett do most of the groundwork for me. This is a quote from Warren Buffett. Every day, in countless ways, the competitive position of our business grows either weaker or stronger. We're delighting customer if we are delighting customers eliminating unnecessary costs and improving our products and services we gain strength but if we treat customers with indifference or tolerate bloat our business will wither on a daily basis the effects of our actions are vital cumulatively though their consequences are enormous Everything we do, and this is end quote, everything is now back to me. Everything we do reflects on our reputation, which in turn affects our ability to achieve desirable results for ourselves and for our partnership. Here are some things I think we can all agree are desirable for us. Being trusted, premium wages slash bonuses for team members, company vehicles, benefits, physical location for team members, team member gatherings and events, full-time work year-round. The greater 
our reputation, the more likely we are to have things we find desirable in life. Or put it another way, the easiest way to get what you want in life is to deserve it. Businesses with a great reputation are able to achieve a, or charge a premium for their services, thus increasing our gross margins, which is simply the difference between the cost of the raw inputs to complete a painting project and the amount charged to the client. Higher gross margins allow the business to pay each of us more for our individual roles, purchase more company vehicles, purchase real estate for us to use, implement benefit programs, increase the amount of gatherings we can afford, and allow more people to work full-time year-round. This idea should be top of mind for each of us as we perform our roles this year. We can be more mindful of paint wastage, unnecessary equipment purchases slash requests, the customer experience we are delivering at any given moment, wearing our company uniform, doing what we say we're going to do, showing up on time, finishing when we start, and saying please and thank you. The small things count here. Even the way we drive our vehicles impacts our reputation. Every one of our actions matters. I want to end with three major goals for the business this year. One, pass 100 Google reviews. Two, full-time hours each week until December 16th. Three, purchase a physical location for the use of our team. This would be a place where we can all gather in the morning, have coffee, set goals for the day, store equipment, have team member meetings and events, a place where we can all learn and have fun. I'm privileged to be working with each, or I'm privileged to be working with each of you for you. And I'm truly at your service. I want this year to be the best it can be for everyone. Your partner, John Morgan III. Uh, that was really good. Yeah, there you go. I got to clap so like, for that because it was is well written. And so I think you can see well, the general well theme of what I want to try and you know have those sent out like, and I want to carry them on that theme because I really want people to like really like kind of buy in on that, like of being a part of the company long term, not necessarily just viewing it as like okay, this is something that I'm just doing like for the time being, but really viewing this as like a you know a partnership, like I am. I sent you the manifesto slash Bible for trade arc. It was like 37 pages. Did you ever kind of look through that or no? I don't know if I ever got that. Okay. I think you'll find it interesting because I think it, I I think you should consider manifesto. No, that's just what I said right now. It's, it's this. Um, how, but what, what, what would I type in? Like, what would I find that like in my email? Like, how did no, you just open the link in the zoom? I added to it, so it's now no longer 37 pages. It's 43. But I think you should consider creating a document that can combine these memos into one. And then whenever you're onboarding an employee, you have them read it. Or you have a video of it that you read that you use to onboard them with. Because really, that's how you set and create culture. So... Yeah, I agree. So that, I mean, one, that's why I want to like, that's why one of the big things that I'm going to do this year is get a physical location. Like that's actually one of the, like, I mean, that's a huge reinvestment into the business that doesn't necessarily make sense from like a, a dollar and cents necessarily. I mean, like obviously in the long run, I think it'll, it'll, it'll benefit the business. Like, but like, but certainly in the short run, it's not like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like the, the best, necessarily the best use of money, but in the long run for sure it is. And that's why, because I really want to try to like build like a culture that we, when people come and, and they get onboarded, they can really like quickly integrate. Because right now, obviously, like there's like, you know, if I hire someone, there's a chance I might not see them for quite a while. I see what you mean. Right. And even then, like they're going to be working with like one other person, maybe seeing Jocelyn every once in a while or seeing Noah every once in a while, occasionally seeing Brady, very rarely seeing me. But like there's some crew members that have never met other crew members, right? Like they don't even know that these other people exist, like other than the fact that they see them on the leaderboards or maybe like that they're a good painter, but they don't necessarily like there's no like shared mind that way. So 
Yeah. So give that a uh, give that a read when you got a chance. Because at the bottom, I have uh, creeds. Depending on the role, there's like a creed that the person reads. Um, think of it like a. Uh, that's probably the best word. I I, I don't I don't have a synonym for it. I'll definitely I'll, I'll definitely give it a read. I think you'll like it. And then at the bottom, I have like uh, mental models. Um, yeah, you'll you'll I think you'll like it. Yeah. Um, so basically, I'm gonna do the same thing, but rather than having it's like a one page or you know a 37 page document, it's gonna be like me sending out memos, dripping it out. Yeah, basically, just like I mean, you could you could view it as like similar to like a blog or similar to like a. So what I do, yeah, is is this document is what guides all of our actions, and then once a month, I give an update of things that people need to know. And then I reference things from the document as a reminder to reflect those things. So one of our yeah, companies... I like I like that because I was gonna say that the thing I actually dislike about the manifesto versus just sending out a weekly memo or sorry, monthly memo is that like every 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 company basically has a a, a, a like a manifesto somewhere that's just collecting dust. No, 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 right? no, no. It's it's there's a slack like we 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 communicate through Slack. I get that, Amber. Yeah, but sorry, I mean, sorry, but, sorry. Like, but 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 I mean like history is told that every company has like basically every company has a mission statement somewhere or you know some bullshit thing like yeah but it's like dust usually so but i like the fact that you're still engaging the material right because like what i versus me because i I thought about doing something similar to a manifesto or something like that but my fear was again like how many people are going to read a 37 page document versus how many people are going to read a two-page document monthly right and then forcing people to read it so that's why i wanted to like make it the most accessible based on the demographic that I'm also communicating with as well, right? Like maybe if you're, you know, if you're, you know, your, your sales team is probably gonna be a lot more engaged than your, than your, your working class man, right? If that makes sense. I have something to add about that. Actually, sure. perfect timing on that. So um, as an English teacher, um, I like, I just did a little quick research, apparently um, 50, so 58 out of a hundred adults in Canada have basic reading skills for the, for most everyday tasks, but two in every five Canadian adults can't read well enough to do everyday things. So John, just like your manifesto was beautifully written. Uh, sorry, manifesto. Sorry. Your uh, memo was beautifully written. And I just, one thing is to keep in mind, especially with a lot of, I guess your demographic that's reading this is a bit more working class. So just keep in mind ways in which you can write at approximately like a grade eight, grade nine level for some of those, um, for for your man for your memos just to keep it at like a uh so you don't like write too uh too high of a level because you might lose some of them halfway along i know it's not super long but it's just that like for some of them well that's why i tried to mixing like more complex explanations with like i guess if you get you can't see the actual memo itself but i tried like like the way that i have it written is not like one just big block like i have it written so that it's kind of broken up so that people can kind of like get the message of one thing and then move on okay Um, but interesting enough though, like, so like, I would say, you know, like one of my favorite employees, to be honest, um, I won't say names here because I don't want people to like it, it just by the pure chance that someone did listen, but, but this no. individual is probably, no, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, this individual is um, one of my older staff uh, who by no means like, like, I get it. Even as, res- yeah, like, they're not like that, like, they're, you know, they've been a working class man their entire life. And hit, I'll read his response, actually, because I think it was great. And, and and I'll read it exactly how it is. I mean, the, the grammar is not great, but, but nonetheless, he read it and he got it. He said, Hey, John, um, hope you're doing well and had a good holiday. I 
read your memo and thought it was pretty awesome partner. I want you to know I am committed to giving you 100% effort this year to help the business grow and flourish in any way I can. Watching paint costs, being punctual, minimal necessary purchases, smiling, acquiring Google, Google reviews, whatever it takes. Exclamation, exclamation mark. I would like to ask you to get some 2XL Pro Works shirts because we do not have any at the moment. It would also be greatly appreciated. Wow. Also, I just purchased a truck and I'll be using it for work purposes, which is part of me trying to help the company and costs as it will enable me to haul all equipment, paint and ladders now to whichever job site I will be at. So I would like to take you up on the offer to get me a, a roof rack for the truck so I can haul ladders, which may need and save Jocelyn, which is spelled wrong, time, gas, and the company money. I'm looking forward to getting back at it. Nice. Right. So like, so like I got a lot of responses like that where like, like where like people truly did read this. And that was one of the, the things why I wanted to keep it like two, you know, two, three pages kind of thing. Cause again, like, like trying to get people to read even 10 pages a day is a challenge. Like, like, you know, like if, if you actually like, like got someone on a reading regiment of 10 pages a day, I, I, I bet 90% of the people will fall off within the first month. Right. Whereas, whereas if you had someone read like an article, like that they can read in, in like three minutes or less, I, I just feel like that, like that's going to have like a higher compliance rate you know fair enough yeah fair enough that was that was that was my thought process in, in the formatting and then of course where this will go towards is these being sent out on uh, emails being printed off and given to every, each employee will be given a, like a printed off version and then on top of it when we have a physical location uh we'll have weekly meetings where basically i read this off and actually have an, a conversation about it because then it, there's even more engagement there's more end retention like why does it really matter that we reduce our paint costs why is this not just me being you know i want to make more money but actually yeah. saying yeah 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 yeah. why does this actually benefit us so yeah very good man i like it a lot um I'll close this up um I, I had these notes ever since uh, I came back from Jordan. I've been doing a lot more thinking and not like, like sessions, but just thinking more on everything. And it's increased okay. the quality of my life. Um, okay. I found out that I'm just like, naturally by default, I just want to be lazy. I don't want to move. I want to be physically lazy. I want to be emotionally lazy. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to tell anybody I love. I don't want to hug anybody. I just, you know, emotionally lazy and then mentally lazy. I don't want to think about it right now. I'll think about it later. And the last six months, I, I think I've pretty much crushed it and destroyed the physically lazy. Um, now I'm realizing I have to crush and destroy being mentally lazy, which brought up an interesting realization that a lot of the time that I spent thinking now would be going to the bathroom, walking to the kitchen, making a smoothie, walking to the grocery store, running to the gym, being at the gym in an Uber place. And by default, I got a pair of Air AirPods in my ear blasting music with lyrics. Yeah, you get on that classical music train, baby. 
brain mufflers is the name I came up with to my fucking AirPods because that's what they can be. Brain mufflers. I agree. So I've uh, now been listening to like Batman soundtracks of like the Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar and some classical music here and there. And it has actually uh, made thinking fun. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I've been on a classical hit. Like I've just been listening to like a lot of Chopin. But bro, it's like, I knew this day was coming. I kind of had a hint of it like a year and a half ago. I'm like, oh man, there's like the future version of me is not listening to rap. But you know, whatever. Yeah, every once in a while, it's certainly nice to like have like that upbeat. But, uh, but, you know, as far as like just doing your day to day tasks, it definitely, it it definitely, it puts you in a different mindset. Like, you know, even like, like the way that like, uh, like the transition between tasks is such a good opportunity to become mindful. And there's so many things like, but even like going to the washroom and bringing your phone or even like, you're in the mm-hmm. elevator and you're checking your phone. Like, there's so many opportunities where you could actually be like mindful and like restore yourself that, that could be restorative that end up actually being just another source of like stimuli. Yeah. And it's like the classic quote. I'm starting to realize, man, like I really do think like me, you, Austin, most people in my network, we have actually everything we possibly need to get everything we want we understand most of the principles we understand all that it's just about the depth of that understanding and doing it and one of the first things you look yeah 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 that's it like i don't think we have to learn more i think we've like we have like oh Mm -hmm. don't 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 misunderstand me i think if we stop learning now we're gonna live a great life pretty above average life that's what i mean but but that's not what we're going for work smarter not harder has not made more sense to me like has made more sense to me now than ever has when it comes to like this thinking more thing and uh realizing that laziness has multiple dimensions yeah laziness definitely has multiple dimensions right that that hit me real hard i'm like man i'm like mentally emotionally and sometimes physically lazy like I i gotta i can't do that you know not 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 for what i want so yeah trade-offs yeah i thought i'd share that with you it was pretty well, interesting maybe can you expand upon that like when you say that why that why has that been so all my actions now if you ask me why i can logically give you a reason no but for the work smarter versus harder like why has that stood out to you as meaning so much more well now? well the more i think the smarter i get and if I'm usually always thinking proactively, not reactively, about my actions, their possible impacts, possible biases I'm committing, fallacies, impacts on the business, I mean, it's ridiculous, the potential upside. So, turning on a part of my brain that I've been neglecting. And I'm, yeah. It's nice to be, uh, it's nice to make that. I, I found my confidence has gone up. I've, uh, some of my, one of my biggest insecurities of like, oh, people leaving me. It has like been close to non-existent uh, this past week and a half because I've actually done the logical thinking about the absurdity of that emotion. 
that it just doesn't exist. I'm not really like a tiptoeing. Like I'm not. I don't care if there's a refund right now because because I'm more logical than emotional. I see when you say people leaving you, not so much employees, but more customers. No employees, customers, friends. Like I'm not worried anymore. Like because I've I've done the thinking. I've done the thinking of what that could mean, what I can make it mean, what it actually is. Remembering law of the averages, remembering that chaos comes before order as you're trying to scale, remembering these things. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean, yeah. So, it's okay, just so like, I mean, so oh, it's... great, yeah, a refund? Well, that just means we're making a lot more sales. Let's just figure out like why why this is happening. What does that mean yeah. to our bottom line? How much can our bottom line withhold? So what when you are say we're stats? smarter, what you're talking about is just like, it's just you, you've you uh, had a more of a focus on just your response to like things. Yeah. I'm way more patient. Like even in my conversations with like, uh, like James, Christine, my friends, my family, my brothers, I'm just like so dialed in to like what people are saying. And I'm thinking before I speak versus conversations. I would, it would be like kind of emotional gut feeling, you know, like this past week, I've been like just more kind like when he told mindful. me you made a memo, my emotions kind of strike. I'm like, oh, this guy's wasting his time. And then I was like, wait, hold on. No, 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 no. Stop these stupid assumptions. Just ask him a question. Hey, John, what are in your memos? How long are your memos? What's the purpose mm. of this memos? Oh, mm. these are all good answers that John has given. John has made a good business decision. Kudos to him. He's even inspired me to, uh, like you gave me an idea right now of chunking up this 37-page document into little paragraphs that automatically get sent to the team every morning. One paragraph that every morning they read is just a piece of the whole thing. But it's like more of that is what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what's one thing that that I like? Okay, so kind of, let's, let's talk about some of this thinking that we've been doing. So here's here's something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is, Like each, like each idea that someone has, depending on it, like how, like, so like someone's relationship with that idea is important to understand. So like, so if you're speaking to someone who attaches these ideas to their, like to their personal being, that's it. That's a, that's a much trickier conversation than if you're talking to someone where the idea is something that you, that you instantly both can put on the table. And from my experience, I haven't met anyone that can solely exist within the ideas on the table but that the, the the best you can hope for is that someone is quickly able to transition to having the idea be on the table versus it being attached to them like very few people's default is ideas on the table you know what i mean by that like idea on the table versus yes. personal yeah yeah okay so so then what's fascinating about it though is that if you look at why a lot of people do the things they do they're doing them less for great reasons but doing them merely because it was the first idea that they picked up as far as a procedure of how to do something so like 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 so like so it's a fluke like if they're doing something proper or like a, a really efficient it just happens to be that that was the idea they picked up first and then now they're defending it because it's their personal being right versus someone who picks up an idea and then says you know what i actually this idea is not that great. I'm going to pick up this one. And then says, you know, maybe these two ideas actually I could maybe like take this bid and put that, you know, like you're almost manufacturing an idea rather than right. And, and 
and, and where I got inspired by this was that I was talking to, cause I, so I purchased a vehicle recently. Uh, like I had to add another van for the, the, the business just cause we have another manager coming on. And when I was being sold the vehicle and like some warranty plans and things like that, like the, the, the sales process at this, at this place was just so sloppy or at least in my opinion was really sloppy. And it was interesting because I got to the end of this, this fucking just this labyrinth of a sales process that was just really annoying to be honest. And I finally get to the end of it. And the guy who was like the, the backstop, like the, you know, <laughs> they, they had like this procedure where like you had to sign a liability waiver saying you weren't going to buy certain like warranty plans for them. Cause it was very risky. So this guy was going to come in and he was like their last ditch effort to try and like, you know, sell you on this package. And so, you know, I shut the guy down and he asked me, he's like, Hey, just like, cross like, why don't you want to do the warranty plan? And so I, I kind of like thought about it for a second, like just like giving the guy the generic response of being like, Hey man, I just want to see value, blah, 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 blah. But I was like, you know, do you actually want me to like give like an honest response here? And he's like, yeah, no, for sure. And I basically went into their sales process and how I just, I thought it was really sloppy and I just don't know how possibly as a consumer, I could feel comfortable buying this. Right. And I just gave him my opinion on the workings of their sales process. And, and I, and I said, like, if you're interested, like, I, like I'm in sales, I, I, I have a sales process and I just feel like, like there's some key things here that like, honestly, I don't know if I would have bought your warranty plan. But I feel like the conversation would have been less of a flat no, and it would have been like more of a conversation. And he was totally not open to it. Like it was just, it was not even remotely anything he was open to doing. So I was like, you know, whatever, I moved on. I mean, I'm it, whatever, I don't, like, you know, whatever. But, but I just thought it was so fascinating that they had a certain way of doing things that, you know, maybe I'm totally out to lunch and maybe, it, maybe it actually is really, really effective. Um, and I just wasn't the ideal candidate for it, but it was so sloppy, but it happened, but it, but it was interesting though, because it was like this, this, this like way of doing things was just, they were, they were holding onto it so tightly. Right. And I've been there too. I mean, we're all there, but that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately too, which is that not wanting to be the person that's hanging on to an idea just for the sake of, it happens to be the idea that you're hanging on to. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I've been trying to Google because this is a fallacy. It's like first exposure fallacy or something. I can't find it. I can't find it. Well, I think I think in a lot of ways, like you could say, like it's it's probably a fallacy that's a combination of a couple of different biases. Like one, like there's a confirmation bias. Like so, sure. for example, like a lot of times, and, and this is like really prevalent. Like if you look at like yeah, investment ideas, right? Like someone might find a company that they that they like or that it's a great investment, right? And it, it may actually be a good investment, but then maybe they hang on to it merely because it was the first one they found or something like that right <laughs> that's or, <Smith> and Wesson. <laughs> no i don't think that i don't I, by the way yeah I, no i don't think that's actually the case but no i know i know yeah. i'm saying because yeah. you brought that up in our previous conversation of you being aware that that might be what could exist with you but it's not correct um no but also smith and wesson has a, a different dynamic because it's dropped like from the original time of me purchasing shares it's down 60 percent so it's actually improved as an investment since I bought it. Sure. Yeah. So it's a different thing. Like if I was still buying Smith and Wesson at my original purchase price in relation to what I'm currently buying uh, or in, in, of what I'm currently looking at, then it would be illogical because Smith and Wesson uh, went up being a good investment from when I was originally purchasing it. Whereas now I believe it's, I mean, I think it's just going to be an unreal investment. 
But in comparison to what I could also be purchasing at this exact moment, if Smith and Wesson hadn't dropped, then there would there would be very strong likelihood that there was a bias towards just purchasing yeah. this idea because okay. it was the first thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there might be a confirmation bias in, in working in some ways where you're only seeking new, uh, you're only seeking information that confirms your current belief rather than obviously seeking out information. Like, because even like if you think about it, because it's not it's not only that like. It's not even that like, okay, you have a idea and you have two humans discussing it or multiple humans discussing that idea. A lot of times it's not only do you have, does the person, you know, they have their idea, but someone else is also interested in their idea. Like, so it's two different ideas, right? That might not even actually like they can coexist or they can mingle or there's like bits and pieces. So, but that the, the one person might say, well, no, like, here's why my reason, here's why like, this is such a good idea. Right. But it's fascinating, though, if you think about it, because the, like, they're focusing on the things they already know or potentially know about their idea, but they're not focusing on on the on the new information that could cause them to switch. Right. Their beliefs or change their beliefs. Hmm. And so then if you look at like, I mean, very I don't necessarily want to go down a religious path, but if you look at it, like some of the ideas in religion actually are like built-in defense mechanisms to not have people seek new information. Because it's heretic. Dogmatic, yeah. 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 Yeah, I've thought about these things. I think it could also be like, I'm looking at a couple of cognitive biases right now. And like, it sounds like it could be a little bit of the self-serving bias, which is attributing positive outcomes to skill and negative outcomes to luck. So this guy just like, wasn't willing to attribute the negative outcome of you not going uh, with his warranty package to anything other than like a fluke, like as opposed to you offering him real reasons why you didn't go with it and he just wasn't open to it but they would attribute their positive outcomes to their skill and their sales like oh it's like oh yeah. we did sell these warranty packages with our skill but the negative outcome is just a fluke yeah so i, I that was actually one of my biggest critiques to the guy uh was that because when he when he asked me why i didn't purchase it and i said to him i was like you know i think the the biggest reason why i didn't purchase is that i don't actually trust that you guys have my best interest in mind like I didn't necessarily feel like I was being sold a package or a sold a product in a genuine way. And I, and I, and I never felt like I was consulted. I didn't feel like I picked the package. I felt like this was being sold to me. And so I felt naturally in a defensive state. That was what I told him. I said, naturally, if I don't have enough information, my answer is no. So that's why my answer was no instantly. It was an, it was an, it was a reflexive no, because I didn't have any information because I actually listened to this hammer. So this, this was the sales process for this warranty. Okay. So, so you, you know, I bought the vehicle more or less over the phone. Cause I just, I, I don't actually care to go see the fucking vehicle. I mean, I, I'll see it when I go to buy it and I'll just verify that it's, it's roughly what, you know, I'm supposed to be purchasing. Right. Like I don't want to waste my time to drive down and like, look sure, at it, right? sure. so I bought it all over the phone. So I basically, I'm showing up. So they schedule a time for me basically to have, uh, uh, to get insurance for the vehicle, sign the contract to, to purchase the vehicle. Um, and and basically, and basically drive away the vehicle. So the order here is very specific though. The first thing they tried having me do was get insurance for the vehicle. 
Like the moment I came in, I said, okay, let's get the vehicle insured. I said, no, 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 I'll get the vehicle. The, I'll get the insurance at the very end. And they said, oh, why is that? I said, well, because I haven't signed the contract to purchase it. So like, let's, let's, let's make sure that we're all clear on what we're at, what I'm actually buying and what the terms are. And then I'll get the insurance. But if you think about it though, like that move to get the insurance first, that was purposeful. And it was purposeful because once I have it insured, backing out of the deal at that point is very hard to do because you've already now insured the vehicle, right? Like there's already like a, a sunk cost. So I, I was very like, that's suspect. I was like, no, 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 let's go through this, right? Um, and then there was like, there was like an introduction of new information to, uh, right before signing the contract. And there was kind of a brush over of like, it's not that big of a deal though. I was like, mm, no, this is a kind of a fucking big deal. What the hell are you guys talking about? Right. Cause like the, in the ad, it talks about how there's roof racks and then I get there and there's no roof racks on the vehicle. And uh, there was like a minor car accident uh, that the vehicle had that wasn't mentioned online. And there was like, there was a bunch, there was introduction of a bunch of new information, but it was kind of like glanced over. And I was like, no, no, guys, like we need to like renegotiate this because like I don't actually care about the accident, but like it is new information. Like when when because I was like when we negotiated over the phone, this is this is information that you guys knew that I didn't that that so I was not we weren't negotiating on the equal basis. So like that's not fair, right? So then we renegotiated the price on the vehicle, given that there was a bit of damage uh, that was repaired, but it was you know it's, you know so it's hit by someone. Um, and then they had to throw in free roof racks. I said, I'm, I'm not buying a fucking van for painting business with a roof racks. Like this is, you know, it's not happening with the install. I'm not, you know, cause they were like, Oh no, no what, how about we just discount it by like this much? And then you just go get your own quotes. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm buying a fucking van with no hassle. I'm not going to go get my own quotes. I'm not going to drive around town and get quotes. No, just, you know, so we finally get all that squared away. We go to uh, sign the documents and, uh, she says, yeah, like here's, uh, here's how much it is per month. I said, I was like, you know, I, I was like, the math on this doesn't quite check out. I'm a math genius here, but this this looks to be about $120, $150 more than what I was kind of expecting. And uh, she's like, you know, because she because she's like, well, the way she presented it was, here's the here's the uh, monthly payment, and here's the standard warranty that comes with the car. And she kind of like very briefly explained like how many kilometers it is with that. And so I said, that's when I commented on, well, this is about $150 higher. And I was like, how much is the warranty? Sorry, like, is that, is that, do I have to pay for the warranty? And she's like, well, no. I was like, well, how much is the warranty like per month? And she's like, well, it's, it's not that much per month. And I was like, well, but how much is it per month? $150 per month. I'm like, okay, well, there you go. I'm like, how much is the total warranty package amortized over the, the, the whole deal? Seven grand. I was like, <laughs> I was like, hold on. Like the fact that like, like that you guys were going to slip a $7,000 product into me buying this vehicle with no explanation, nothing. Like it was like, you know, I get that like the whole assume the sale thing, but like, I wasn't even like, you know, like, like that's a pretty, you know, I was like, that's a pretty dirty trick. So when I said no to the warranty, that's when this guy came in. Right. So that was their sales process. Right. And then, but like her sales process was instant, like drive emotional and drive fear. Like when I said, no, I'm not doing the warranty claim. She got, got like, was like very jolted by it. Because I think that there is a lot of people that probably just sign it, not even knowing that the warranty is like something you can like opt out of, you know? Yeah. Because it's an opt out versus an opt in kind of thing. It's not like, hey, do you want to buy the warranty? It's like a, like the way they have it presented is it doesn't include. I get it. No, no. But like for a lot of people that just don't even, that aren't even focusing on whether or not like the payment is accurate. They're like, oh, that's how much it is. Okay, I guess that's how much it is. They don't even focus on the fact that they're actually buying a whole separate $7,000 thing. Right. Um. So when I said no, she's like, okay, well, I have to, I have to get this other guy to come in so you can sign a liability waiver versus, I mean, like, first of all, one, 
the liability waiver is a made up document. It's not actually a fucking thing. Like there's no actually such thing as a liability waiver. Like, you know, as far as like, like the government doesn't require, no one requires that, but them. Right. Um, and then also why does another guy have to come in to do that? Like, why, like, why can't the person I was dealing with do it? Right. So, but of course it's cause it's a sales tactic of swap out. So there's a new guy that comes in and instantly, so she's playing like whole fear thing. He comes in, he's like, yeah, Hey John, how you doing? You know, good guy. He's like, you know, I heard you're really successful. Like, man, like, you know, and I was like, dude, I was like, I was like, like, cause I could tell it was so fake. I was like, dude, I was like, come on, man. I was like, it's like, no, you did it. No, you did I was, no, I did. I did. I, cause I no, Amory, it was like, I, I mean, I can't reenact <laughs> it, but it was so clearly <laughs> fake, you know? Oh like, my he's God. like, yeah, man. Like, the, tell me about your business but it's like but it was like i've never met this guy before you know what i mean like it was just he came in like with a tall, like just a different energy so i was like dude i'm not doing this right now like i just said that to him but it was but like so that was their sales process right so like, you can see how nowhere along the way i felt like 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 it was a gen like you know it didn't feel like versus if you look at the sales process student works has taught us like a, you know it, like there's like the doing the walk you know like the walk through but like even the initial call like a lot of that like there's a lot of pre-closing going on but a lot of it too is asking questions and like trying to figure out like cuz like when you have the client pick the product like that they want and then you're then saying okay well this is the price you know what i mean to do the thing that you picked out at that point it's much easier to handle objections of you know these are all things you know right like i'm sure you do this too right um Forget how I, I forget where I was going to so include with fake, that. yeah, not asking questions. No, but how did they get started on the explanation part? I, I kind of got so deep into that because um, the way they're selling, it's just like not asking questions. They're just oh no no. Uh, what was the bias that you brought up, Gabe? Oh, it's the one that uh, scale bad, versus look. Good. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So stuff, this guy bad. yeah yeah sorry that's why I brought this up because if you look at their sales process right, this guy was taking it like as a. Uh, um, like, oh, this was just, oh, it wasn't meant to be. But meanwhile, here's me, like, probably the only, I mean, I might be the only customer that was actually offering up like a, tr like a, like a, like a legitimate response. I mean, how many people actually respond with, dude, at no point in time did I actually trust you during this entire conversation kind of thing? Like, that's like a, that's such an honest response, right? That you're basically never going to get from a customer, right? Most people are like, no, I'll think about it. You know, <laughs> like, I'll get back to you, right? Um, but like, yeah, but this guy was probably just attributing to, oh, you know, not the ideal client, you know, blah, blah, blah. Even though I actually probably could have been an ideal client. Like he probably could have sold me in a way that I maybe would have been more likely to. I don't know if I, you know, I've looked at car companies before and then I, you know, I, even like with Leon's, I know that a huge source of profits for them is the warranty. Like I understand that it's not necessarily a profitable endeavor for the client, um, to purchase these warranties. Uh, but nonetheless, it just, that might that might be the right bias game i don't it doesn't quite seem like it but it, it's it's probably the closest one wow so what happens when you go in you got to finish the story well that was it i signed the liability waiver and i purchased the vehicle mm -hmm. how really? do you know the, how, how did how did you know these things liability I, um, waiver I, guarantees all that how did i know what like about them like i, I don't know their sales tactics no, I said it's like this is not required by the government. Um, oh, because I because I've looked at publicly traded car companies, like uh, um, auto dealerships. Oh, I've read their annual reports. It talks, yeah, it talks about this kind of a little oh. bit. Wow. Yeah, there's also a, a Twitter guy that I follow. Um, I forget, I don't know what his uh, his account is, but he's he it's it's great content. 
uh, for, for car dealerships. And uh, it talks all about used car sales and things like that. And it talks about a lot of the tactics that they use. And, and uh, he gives like industry stats and things like that. He's kind of like a, like there's this one Twitter account that I follow called Maxfield on banks. And he's like, I don't know, like just a total guru when it comes to bank investing. This guy's a kind of a total guru when it comes to like auto finance or auto dealerships or not so much auto manufacturers. That's kind of a different industry, like more on the the, the finance side of uh, of the car industry, um, like lending and leasing and and um, dealerships, which are kind of like the the broker for a lot of these financial. Because a lot of people don't realize, but like cars in themselves are a financial product the same way houses are, right? And then car dealerships are really just a brokerage for them, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the same way, like the same way a real estate office is a you know like, like car dealerships and real estate agents are kind of similar in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, or real estate brokerages, but um, anyway, so I, that's how I knew about these things. It's not required by law. The only thing that's actually required by law for the most part is just the, the actual purchase and sale agreement. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, so what'd you buy? Just a, it just, I mean, it's a, it's a not a glamorous purchase. It's, it's a stock Grand Caravan Dodge, a Dodge Grand Caravan. What year? 2017. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, thirty thousand kilometers. How much? Twenty six all in. Adjusting for inflation, it's cheaper than the last time I bought a van. Nice. Yeah. Assuming your last van purchase was smart. No, but like. I'm, I, no, I'm saying I'm saying the last time I bought a van, adjusted for inflation, yeah, would have been more cheaper. than this purchase. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can't comment on whether the last time I bought a van was a good price. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can't comment on whether now it's a good price. Although I strategically bought this because I, I I really think I could have bought this van any time, um, like last year because I, I I definitely needed it. But I, I last year I chose to buy um an off market deal that was like very cheap. It wasn't a mistake, but it was but it was but it ended up being a cheap. It was it was good. It's actually the vehicle that um that Brady drives now, the the Kia Rondo that I bought for like fifty five hundred bucks last year actually end up being a pretty steal of a deal because i mean it's a pretty cheap vehicle but um the van i strategically bought right now in january knowing it's a very slow time for car dealerships in general but also to the mm. timing in the market right now it's very difficult to move vehicles right now mm, got it yeah and then here you are <laughs> removing seven grand off the top on top yeah yeah, well, I'm getting it. Well, I'm getting. I mean, I got a pretty good deal, like as far as like what they were trying to sell it for versus what I negotiated them down to. But even then, though, like I got a better deal because I financed it. But I'm going to pay off the loan next month. Because <laughs> mm. if you if you if you pay cash, like I would have paid probably a thousand dollars more if I paid cash. So if you finance it, you can pay it. Like you just have to make sure that you don't get stuck into a loan where there's a penalty for paying it off. But I'm familiar with the Scotia, like because I went through Scotia Bank, so the bank for the the car loan, which is where I have my other car loans. The other car loans are five and six percent though, so there's no point of paying those off. But this one's nine, so obviously I'd pay it off because it guaranteed nine percent. You know, guaranteed nine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Um. Oh, let's play some trivia. Okay. okay. Well, maybe Jor Jordan trivia. Okay. So the Kim Kardashian effect, having a royal family on the top. What do you think that would have an impact on Uber drivers? You can ask uh, questions because this is going to be tough without asking some questions. I bet a lot questions. of them have a photo of the king in the backseat or uh, the driver. 
like somewhere in the car. Interesting. I see where you're going. Okay, let me let me clarify. I give me give you some more variables to where where the right answer might be. So, what do you think the effects are on Uber drivers in Jordan? Being that it is there's the Kim Kardashian effect. Gossip is widespread. A lot of emphasis on social status, and the royal family is the highest. Um, Those variables uh, don't mean anything in that specific order, as I told them. So like what what's the impact on like how Uber drivers like act or what they wear or like or on how they deal with the drive with the customers and what they might say to them or recommend to them. I don't know. Like are they, are they, are they just like gossip? Are they gossipers? No, they no, gossipers? no, 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 no. Um, I'll give you another hint. What do you think would be the polite thing to do? If you're the driver, uh, if you're the customer. Like a tip. Mm. This is even more polite than giving money. If you're the driver, or if you're the customer. If you're the customer. This is It would even be insane not to do this in Jordan. It would be insane to do here in Canada. What's something? I, I I guess I'm I I don't I, I guess I'm kind of confused by what the question is. Like like I don't okay. Know. How would Uber drivers expect differently in Jordan on how a customer would behave versus here in their car? I suppose like in Canada talking like poorly about Trudeau would be totally accepted, but talking poorly about the King would not be in Jordan. Yeah. Okay, cool. You're kind of like, that's, that's correct, but you're, you're, uh, you're a bit off, but you're starting, you're starting to. Get... Oh, like leaving a one-star review if they don't talk highly. Uh -huh. No, 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 no. It, it Here's a hint. It has nothing to do with talking. I literally don't know, man. I I I, I have no guess. Crazy. Yeah. If you sit in the back seat, you're an asshole. Think about that. Oh, because it makes them look bad. Bingo. Because it makes them look like Uber drivers. Isn't that nuts? Oh, it's a status thing. Like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I know what you mean. Like, so if you sit in the front seat, it makes it look like they're just like a friend driving, you know, with their friend. But but Correct. if you sit in the back seat, it's like everyone knows. Oh, he's all oh, he had to pick up an Uber. You know? Correct. Isn't that actually crazy? But but so but it's actually shunned upon like from the Uber. Like, does the, does the Uber driver like give you like a negative review if you sat in the yeah. back? Yeah. So like, I was like treated weirdly not weirdly below average by uber drive i have a 4.9 rating on my uber app like i'm very nice um the stats are there i'm generally very nice with drivers drivers rate me like five stars consistently and i got a couple of two three stars and weird energy from the uber drivers every single time and then it was new year's and i ordered an uber an uber to get home and me and my brother are going to the Uber and our cousin's there just to make sure that we got to the car. 
safely. And, uh, you know, I just opened the door, got in the back seat. My brother is starting to get in the back seat. My cousin grabs him by the shoulder. He's like, ah, damn Canadians. Trust me, just go sit in the front. I'm like, what? He's like, just go sit in the front. And then my brother sat in the front. And then we, we were driving. I'm just like, what the hell was that about? Like, and I apologized to the driver. I'm like, hey, sorry, man. Like, like I, I, I don't know if you'd want him to be sitting there in front of you. But my cousin was like pretty adamant about it. He was like, no, no, it's it's fine. Like, you guys are not from here, are you? I'm like, no. And I'm like, okay, well. And he was like, okay. He just went silent. I'm like, come on, man. Like, if you don't mind, can you just explain what that was about? He's like, ah. Uh, he was like very, he was becoming like embarrassed, like uncomfortable. And I sensed that. I'm like, you know, I mean, like, you don't like actually forget about it. Like, you don't have to. And he's like, no, no, no. Basically. This is not for me. I don't really care that much. But like for other drivers, uh, it'll be rude for you to sit in the back seat because it would look like they were an Uber driver versus you'd want to sit in the front because it looks like, you know, we're just friends. We're driving around. Because Uber drivers have a low status in the country. Yeah. Yeah. In that country, yeah. I thought it was because the only royalty sits in the back kind of thing. Like that was the th direction I thought you were going in when you said that. No, um, no. But that makes a lot of sense though. Well, yeah. no, but, that, but, but Gabe, you're not far off though, because by sitting in the back, you're basically making them well, look you're, worse. You're showing to everyone that they are a driver. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but exactly. Like yeah. Like by sitting in the, in the seat in the front, you're like, Hey, like we're equals here. But when yeah. you sit in the back, you're like, yo, you're my drug, you're my driver. And then yeah, everyone else yeah. knows you're my driver. Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, I don't even know if anyone would even think twice about that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. I mean, if anything in Canada, it's the opposite. I always feel awkward sitting in the front. Oh, hundred percent. That's why that's why. Uh, oh, really? be, I always sit in front. Weird. Well, I mean, with COVID, I mean, I used to sit in the front a lot more, but since COVID, since COVID, a lot of the cars in Kelowna, like they just, they won't even allow they kind of don't want you sitting in the front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, the um, the family that I stayed with, um, I was really spoiled. I had like a, I a, a cook, good driver, whatever. Um, I noticed an interesting observation. I want to know what your thoughts on this. So my cousin, she's like on the second floor of this like mansion, and she needs to charge her cell phone, and the cell phone is on the first floor. So instead of walking down the stairs. She put the phone on the top of the stairwell and just went, Marianne, can you charge my phone for me? My phone's at the top of the staircase. And it just went back inside, sat on the couch and kept watching TV. And the maid went upstairs, grabbed the phone, went back down and charged it for her. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> the face you're making right now. Well, I mean, I, I can't imagine that's healthy for someone... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I have that strong of an opinion about it. I don't know. Oh, okay. Certainly, I wouldn't want my son doing it. Okay, there you go. Okay, that was the answer. Yeah. I was kind of looking for Okay. <laughs> like, in that way. Sure. She she wasn't being rude. She was just like, she had to no, no, yell to the kitchen. No, no, I don't think it was rude. No, I, no, I, don't, I don't think it was rude at all. Okay, I mean, okay. first of all, when I don't like when people yell across 
rooms and stuff like i don't oh, like that yeah i just i don't i don't think it's yeah I, I don't like when like even like when trish and i are like in the house like like we have a, you know it's not it's a condo so it's not like a massive house by <laughs> but like i don't like when she yells across the condo like i don't like that like yeah. I don't, I've, I've never i've never liked people yelling like just like come you know come grab me if you you know come to the room right the other reason because the, the thing i don't like about yelling across spaces is it it's kind of arrogant in the sense that like it's assuming yeah. that you, that that person isn't doing not anything doing, important yes correct right whereas if you're to walk up and see the doors close and you'd be like okay the doors closed maybe knock politely if they don't respond then you would walk away what correct yelling is like you're just assuming that you're just way more important than everyone else in the space right and the entire household right because yell i mean obviously when it's only trisha in the house it's you know it's only her and i but again it's it, there is an assumption that i'm not doing something oh sweetie can you come help me it's like no. you know like it's, it's rude because it's like if you walked over to the door you'd realize that hey if my door is closed it means i'm doing something right so yeah. um yeah yeah um and then the last piece of uh, gossip that i got for you <laughs> uh is uh some of my family are like extremely good friends with a jeweler like a gold jeweler to the fact like they FaceTime them and like are like buddy buddy with them and that just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't I, I don't know. what's what's wrong with a jeweler? Well think about it, being friends with a jeweler. Like like they didn't mean I, I have a friend that's a jeweler. No, but like he, he started as a friend. He didn't start as your jeweler that you then became very good friends with. No, I have a jeweler that I became friends with. Really? Yeah. His okay, name is, uh, yeah, Gogadeshi. That's his last name, Gogadeshi. Mm. Okay, maybe I mis mis misinterpreted it. Gustavo Gogadeshi. Well, how I mean, much money? Ring off him. But that's it. Anything else? Uh, well, I can't say yet. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> you just bought like a Cuban chain. <laughs> You just I well, I mean, I probably, I mean, realistically though, I mean, as far as all the rings that he sells, I mean, I probably bought. I mean, out of all of the rings sold in Kelowna, I mean, I, I, there couldn't have been that many rings that were more expensive than the one I bought. Oh my like God. there obviously was, but not that many. Oh, that's kind of crazy, right? Fair enough. But like the same way that like. Like the clients that I've become friends with or that I could actually call up and say, hey, man, how you doing? Let's go for coffee. They're the people that probably spent the most money with me, too. Yeah, but a jeweler, I don't know. I don't no, know. but I have a relationship with the guy, like in the sense that like every piece of jewelry I ever buy for the rest of my life will probably be through this guy. Yeah, fair enough. Like we have I a guess, relationship, right? Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I guess I missed some. Yeah, I, 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 here's 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 why I don't think the jeweler thing. You have to trust your jeweler. Like I went around to a lot of different jewelers mm. that I like. I didn't know and didn't trust. I don't know anything about jewelry. Oh well, dude. I mean, you can get ripped off hardcore. Mm. Like, like if you're gonna spend like money on jewelry, right? Like, not that I'm like getting gold chains or anything, but you know, if you're gonna get an engagement ring like the one I got, Hammer, like you're not like that's like you know, like that's a fucking down payment on a house. Like, I'm, you're not. Or like on a condo, you're not going to go fucking casually. You know what I mean? Like you're not like, like, like if you're buying a condo, you're going to want to see title insurance. You're going to want to like, you know, do like, it's the same thing. Like, you don't, you don't just go and spend that kind of money and a person could be a crook. Hmm. Like you, you, so naturally, 
like if you're going to do that kind of spend that kind of money with a jeweler, you end up being friends because you end up liking the guy because you realize he's a he's an honest dude. Hey man, where do you get your gold? Who's who do you have relationships? Because not only do you have to trust your jeweler, you have to trust that he knows people that he, that he can trust, right? Because he's buying diamonds or he's buying gold off people. I mean, I supplied my own gold for that reason because I knew it was I could <laughs> I could oh, verify. Yeah, that's pretty small. That's like pretty I, small. I yeah, I supplied my own gold and 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 he supplied the raw materials that were cheap. Like, you know, as far as like, like you, you, you mix the gold with, with some materials to kind of give it more strength. Like, cause it, you would never want to make a 24 karat ring. I got 18 karat, which is like the highest you can go for jewelry. Like as far as like purity, like you would never go 24 karat cause you could like bend it yeah, yeah, or not break, but it would, you could mold it. But, um, so I supplied my own gold for that reason. But like, there's a lot of things like that where you, I could see that being a relationship. Like if you look at most people that have like that spend that kind of money on jewelry, they would have a relationship with their jeweler. Thank you. You just um, you just helped me. Uh, like your family, like that, like the family in Jordan, they, they probably have hundreds of thousands of dollars in jewelry. There's no chance you're spending that kind of money if you're not uh, if you're not friends with the person. Okay. Yeah, I, I never thought yeah. about that. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how else was your week? Good. Uh, it was like kind of like my last week. Um, of like semi time off i suppose you could say i mean i don't necessarily i don't necessarily believe in like uh like time off per se if you know what i mean like it's not like well yeah i mean it's not you're not forced to do anything so uh but but what i'm saying though is it's like there's there's clearly a difference between like the grind of like the preseason and then and then and then you know so either way it was like oh i see i see yeah 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 Yeah, so it's like my last i I guess in other words my preseason starts tomorrow okay yeah for me um and so it was my last week so you know been reading some really good books um i've got i've kind of uh mostly because a lot of the books that i've been reading about banks just naturally aren't on the kindle i've been reading a lot more physical books lately and i I have to say i do like it (laughs) like you know like there's i'm realizing there's there's a because before there was like if it wasn't on kindle i just wouldn't buy it like because i'd be like oh what a hassle because kindle's so superior but there is something to be said about the physical book that I actually, I like to, like, I like going back and forth between the two. There is a, uh, like, there's a certain tangibleness that I like about a physical book. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. And I uh, just really, well, I've just been really enjoying um, the books that I've been reading. Um, bank Banking books are interesting because they fluctuate from being extremely boring to being like novel like like as good as a novel you know <laughs> like books on finance in general tend to like fluctuate and like you know you have like the big short which would be like obviously i've never i've actually never read the book but like it you know it seems like mm. it'd be like a really entertaining book um but then you also have like, like other books that are just so boring you're like holy fuck i want to like tear my hair out but at the same time like there's some information there that you're like oh, this is probably worth knowing um true yeah yeah and then otherwise, uh, you know, I feel like I've got myself into a, a really optimal state going in. This is actually my, this might, I might actually be the most, Prime. I guess you could say prepared, but I definitely feel the most optimized going into a preseason that I've ever felt. Nice. Um, at least I feel, like, I feel like the from, same. Yeah. Like an outside glance. Now it's hard to say, but here's, here's an interesting thing that I, that uh, I wanted to bounce off you because this is the first year that i haven't felt anxious going into the year it's because you got money i don't think so what do you think it is 
I guess I suppose in previous years there was always like a performance anxiety, you know, of like not knowing whether or not I was going to be able to. I think I know what it is. I, I'm I I'm experiencing something similar, but I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you. Well, you I mean, I I think I was. I mean, I think that like okay, the most concise way of putting it, which I can expand upon if you want, but I think you, I think this is where you were going to head to. But the most concise way is I think I'm actually just confident. Yeah. Why do you think you're confident? I think I've just honestly, I think I've built up. Uh, a reputation with myself like i trust mm. myself you know yeah you have a high say do ratio with yourself i have a high say do ratio but i just i trust in you know as cliche as it sounds i trust in the process like i mm. like if i fail this year i don't believe it's going to be because of a lack of effort or lack of skill you yeah. know yeah. So here's a realization I made. This was with a conversation with James earlier today, which is about the concept of can you control your outputs? That's interesting because normally it's the other way around, but yeah. yeah. I know. Can you control your outputs, John? Like the results? Yeah. No. See, this is this is the entry. So Let's play around with this idea and let's try not to get lost in semantics. Okay. It's very easy. We can do that here, but what's your closing ratio on like 10 estimates? Personally? Yes. I can, I couldn't tell you what my closing estimate would be on 10 estimates, but I could tell you what it would be on 300. And what is that? 75%. Okay. So you see what you just did there? This is a basic understanding of statistics. How wild would it be? Can you control that if you did 300 estimates and you maintained all the same variables, good quality leads, same neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera, you're in a good mental space. Do you think that you actually have control that you can close 50% on your next 300 estimates? Like, I don't understand the question, I suppose. Like, as in like, could I actually get it to exactly 50%? No, no, no. Like, do you think you can at least get 50%? I would say there's a high likelihood, yeah. Like, I would say if I, if this year, if I did 300 estimates, I would say there's probably, I don't know, somewhere around an 80 to 90% chance that I would. Where are you getting those numbers from? It's probably like higher. It's probably like 98%, 99%. Um, think about it. Think about it for a second. Because this is just like a, a an understanding of statistics. Like, what are the odds that you very minimal very minimal yeah like very high very high likelihood yeah I, very, I mean, whatever you make up some bullshit percentage but yeah, high likelihood yeah very high well that i think that's where confidence comes from is that you've done the numbers yeah. enough the, the new year no but not really though you know why i, I mean yes I, I hear what you're saying but it's less about the results like i'm actually less I'm just less concerned about what the final ends up number ends up being but because you know it's going to come yeah yeah good point like there might well not even so much that i know it's going to come but that yeah yeah yeah, that is a good way of putting it because i don't know about you but I, i've um i've in tristan i think not not on purpose but tristan kind of changed my view on this a little bit because tristan and i have different fiscal years like yeah, pure and elaborate yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well proworks and pure have different fiscal years and so it kind of like rewired my brain a little bit into like 
not thinking about years like just from like a january to yeah we talked about this yeah yeah yeah, yeah but, but, but like, well, I mean, what, what what more depth did you understand behind that concept well i'm realizing the difference between like well, okay so like one of the big things that i've been thinking about is that when i'm reading about these about banks okay at no point in time was i ever reading about the history of a bank and being like wow what a great year they had or <laughs> you know what i mean like i like literally that's never even once like never like maybe maybe in some of the books i was like wow that's a fucking solid year right like you know like the growth they had in deposits something like that but usually it's the milestones they achieved right or how they performed over a long period of time right like cuz one given year just tell it's just it's just not enough information right it's just you know, and that's it's why small, the, the moment, yeah, but the moment you said 10 estimates, Mike, I couldn't tell you. I really yes. couldn't tell you on 10, but, right? but, but you're on the right track though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, but so, but, but it's the more the milestones that I'm focusing on. Like the next, like, so rather than being like by this date, I want to have a certain thing. I'm actually more or less like, cause like, I feel like that's so arbitrary um, of like trying to pick a date per se. I get, I get, I get the psychology maybe behind it, but for me, I feel like you know, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe there's a bias here, but I feel like I'm above the psychology of that. Like ultimately I'm trying to get to these milestones as prudently, uh, sorry, as fast as I can prudently. Sure. Yeah. 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 But, but like for I, example, I, I want to get a physical location, right? And if I yeah, didn't we, we need to talk year, about that, but yeah, go, if you don't achieve that next, yeah. Well, if I don't achieve that this year, that, that would, that would, that, the requirement for me to not achieve that this year would, would mean that I did terribly on a bunch of other stuff so that I can comfortably say, okay, sometime this year, I'll get a physical location, right? Just based on the numbers of like, what would be required to do that? But yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you want to talk about the physical location for? You said you're buying it. Yeah. Why not lease? Well, um, the reason why um, is that currently okay and, and you know everything's subject to change good um yeah put I'm it on the table <laughs> let's go <laughs> well if you look at what if you look at what cap rates are um in Kelowna for industrial properties that i'd be looking at it's quite comparable to leasing so like the yeah, but what what's the other what's the other cost you're incurring by purchasing and not leasing other than cap rates? Well, okay, so I mean, like, you're not talking about maintenance or something like that. Because mm -mm. I say all, all all of these would be triple net leases. Like if you want to if you want to get if you want to get an industrial property in Kelowna, you're going to have to sign a triple net lease. What does that mean? It means that you're you're basically effectively the owner. You even pay property taxes. <laughs> yeah 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 like that's that triple net leases are wild like yeah. you have to maintain the entire building except for the structure itself like that's, sure. that's the responsibility of the owner so like roof and foundation okay. things like that yeah. but if you but want that's, to that's it, not what i'm talking about still my, my my thoughts still applies um i would say one of the biggest i don't I, I, you could say this is a cost I, I don't i don't know if i agree it's a cost but one of the biggest differences would be that there would be an anchoring to the painting business like mm, there'd be like a no no Okay, well, fucking tell me then, man. Or, you know, uh, what, you don't like dialogue, Socratic dialogue? Well, no, but Jesus, I don't know if that's like, I, I don't think that's Socratic. Like, I think that's just like playing a guessing game. Like, I, I don't, I don't, that's you not don't, how it's Socratic. Okay, fine. That, that's, right. not, that's not Socratic though. Like, because Socratic would be like, we would be discussing an idea and you'd be, you'd be asking me questions about my beliefs. You're not really doing that per se. 
Yes, I, I ask you if you can identify a cost other than those we just talked about. And you said, no, fine, I'll just tell you. Well, no, there's definitely, there's nothing other costs associated than just owning it outright or than, than just leasing it. Well, yeah, it's opportunity but, cost on your money. That's what I'm pointing at. But you're assuming that I'm using my own money. Well, what 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 money are you using? <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Maybe I'm using other people's money. <laughs> How do you know I'm using my own money? Well, you've never not used your own money before. So that's, that's not true. That's, that's, I, actually, that's actually not true at all. I've actually used probably more debt than most people would know. But I've used it very but but if you look at the debt that I my average guess guess what the average interest rate I have on all my on all of the debt across across all my businesses and personal, guess what my average interest rate is? Not average my not my average interest rate, because that's actually deceptive. Guess what total amount of debt I have and then my interest payments, guess what that, that percentage is. So the the true interest rate that I'm paying on all my debt. 3.3%. 2.6. Okay. And uh, how would you go about financially going either? And over, over 10% of my debt is 0% interest. Hmm. So I've been very strategic in the debt that I use. Yeah. And okay. currently every piece of debt I have is under market current market rates. Okay. Yeah. Where is and your all debt? has all has matching assets that are higher than the value of the amount owing as well. So, so you're debt to equity. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I got some. So then yeah, it's I'm, I'm your condo, I'm, I'm, I'm your 2x leveraged. I'm a, a little bit I'm a little bit less than 2x leveraged. Like so assets to liabilities, I'm about 2.5. Or no, other way around. Uh, I'd be 0.5. No, I have 2.25 times I have two two point two five more assets than I have equity. Uh, than oh, I have, uh, assets okay. and I have uh, liabilities. But your liabilities are your condo. But it's skewed because I have a personal. Yeah, it's it's skewed because I have a personal mortgage. If I never personal, if I if I, I my balance sheet would would be a lot less leveraged if I didn't have the personal. Residence. Yeah, but well, what do you what loans do you have? Okay, it's your condo, your vehicles. What else? What else am I missing? Uh, I have a government loan. From, two government loans. For, for uh, I have a student loan. Okay. And I have a, a SIBA loan. See, but okay, what else? Um, I mean, that's it. I mean, other than accounts payable. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Which so then, how how would you go about financing either option, either a lease or the purchasing of the industrial building? Yeah, so there's actually an interesting. So a B, uh, you can get a BDC loan. Um, they'll loan you a hundred percent of the purchase price. Uh, yeah, which is nuts. They'll, they'll loan you one hundred percent of the purchase price, amortized over thirty years. With no down and payment. so there's no down payment they'll 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 lend you 100 of the purchase price no down so there's no down payment um and so if you look at the interest rate i'd be paying on the mortgage versus the the cap rate that i'd be paying to lease the property and because it's it's commercial and it's triple net lease it actually ends up being basically the same wow that's crazy yeah. how'd you find out about yeah. that uh Tristan's father. Of course. Yeah. Well, I'm proved wrong. That's awesome, man. Good shit. Yeah, because the cap rate would be maybe like like five, like five, six percent incline, like four to four to six percent, but like maybe like somewhere around there. But whereas the interest rate I'd be paying on the debt would be like four to six percent. So effectively, I'm getting like bond-like return, you know, potentially like long-term bond-like returns on the asset. But then also the 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 main thing is I can eventually borrow against that in the future. So, yeah. yeah. Cool.
Yeah. That's, that's really that's, cool. That's man. the logic there. Yeah. I like so it. So if I, but if I did have to do it with my own money, um, I would, yeah, I, I would, I would, I would, I would be more likely to lease just because it, in order to buy a property that I'd be looking at, I'd have to put up like somewhere around at least a quarter million. Which doesn't, that's not really ideal. Um, it could, no, it's it not like it's going, mm. dude, you can do way more with a quarter million than park it in a dump. It would, well, no, because if you look at like the actual return, I would potentially get on the building itself. It's probably going to be bond. Like it's probably going to be somewhere around like five, like my return on equity would be, um, like given that the properties I'd be purchasing in Kelowna would be somewhere around 46 um, cap rate. Yeah. Yeah. So if I, I mean, assuming I bought it cash, it's, it's, you're going to get a four to 6% return, uh, cash on cash. And then plus whatever appreciation we get over time, which isn't going to be much on an industrial property per se, um, just because it's based off the income. So, but, so, but anyway, so with four to 6%, let's just get rid of appreciation because it was just assumed that just, it gets adjusted for inflation, but so if, but if, so if I'm, if I'm putting 30% down, I'm, I'm basically having three X leverage. So if my return on, so if your return on assets is 4%, let's go on the low side, 4%, and then you're going to three X leverage that, that means that you're going to have three times as much assets as your equity. So your return on equity, so the amount that you're actually putting in would be somewhere shy of 12%. It'd be less because you have debt service. So it would actually break down your, it wouldn't bring down your net operating income, but it would bring it would bring home your net your net income because you'd be paying tax and you'd be paying interest. Um, so it'd be like a, let's call it like eleven and a half percent would be like, and it, that would decrease over time. Like your return on equity would go down on the property over time. Um, so like maybe in the first year you'd earn like eleven point five, and then like eleven point two five, then eleven. So over time it would go down, but then you could pull equity out to like to bring back up your return on equity. So that's actually not terrible. Like a return, like that's not terrible, but you would have to maintain leverage on the property. Whereas the route that I'm going, I would effectively have infinite return on equity because I'd have no equity in the property. So then that, that's why I would go down that road. But but if they required me to put 50% down, then I wouldn't do it. I, I would, I would if, they, if they allow me to do somewhere around three times leverage, I would do it because it, it would give me somewhere around a 10, a 10 it'd still give me above a 10% return on my on my money. Just cash on cash. And then, and then, so if you got any appreciation, then, then, you know, even 1% appreciation per year would actually translate to your return, your return being closer to 13, 14%. So it, I, that'd actually be decent. It's not, it's not great. It'd be decent. It'd be, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you're using no leverage to be like bond like returns. Fair enough. I won't say I understood everything there, but. I understood. Well, no, but basically, no, I mean, it's actually a super, this is actually a way, this is actually a way that I like to think about a lot of things now is that there's the, the amount of cash that you produce versus how many assets you have, that's your return on assets. Right. And then how much debt you use, um, will decrease your equity. So if you have like a thousand dollars in assets and you produce a hundred dollars in income, your return on assets is 10%, but your return on equity is also hundred percent or sorry, is 10% if you have no debt. Cause you, if you if you let's say you have debt, let's say you have five hundred dollars in debt, then your return on assets would go to twenty percent. 
because now your so your return on equity rather your return on assets isn't going to change. The only way to turn return your uh, change your return on assets is if your income changes. Mm-hmm. But the but the but you can change your return on equity by having less equity given the same amount of income. So great businesses require very little tangible equity, um, given how much income they have. Whereas lower quality businesses, like like one of the worst businesses is trucking and like logistics businesses. I mean, we always I, you know we talk about steel, which is always a generic one that uh, that that um, that Warren Buffett talks about. But let's let's go with a different generic example: trucking. Trucking requires tons and tons of assets, and you can only leverage them up so much before it's just it's just not safe because of how cyclical it is, right? Like you look at Smith and Wesson. Smith and Wesson has tangible assets of like three hundred and fifty million, right? So in order to and, and they have no debt, so. In order for them to get above the hurdle of, and, and so if you, if you have no debt, your return on equity over the long run will end up being somewhat of like the returns you're going to see in the stock. Um, equity is assets it, minus it, liability. Correct. Okay. But tangible, tangible equity is you subtract out intangible items like goodwill and things like that, right? So like really great businesses have a lot of intangible assets, kind of. Like Coca-Cola has a massive intangible assets. Mm. Right. Um, but right. goodwill is not a number that the business makes up, but but that's a whole different thing. But so why would you want a higher percent on equity? That's my question. Well, because it means that you're being more efficient with with how much equity you have. I just I, I feel like I feel like I get it, but then I don't get it. If you have a thousand bucks and that thousand bucks is making you a hundred dollars, that's 10% return on your yeah. assets. But if you have $500 yeah. in a loan, yeah, then your return on equity is 20%. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but Amherst, it's because now like, okay, let's say a thousand, let's say this is actually very common. Like, um, like actually, matter of fact, this is one of my investment thesis. This is part of my, this is a part of my investment thesis for Leon's is that I think Leon's has a even though they actually have a great return on equity, I think they have a, a great potential to unlock more value within the company by selling some of their real estate and doing leasebacks. So, like a company that I remember looking at a company quite a while ago um, that had done this, which uh, it is it's fairly common. So this company was um, called Tapestry. They own Coach, Kate Spade, and uh, Weitzman's or something. It's like a small shoe company that does like a couple hundred million dollars in sales. It's it's very small in, in like the in the branding. But but Kate Spade and Coach are fairly you know Coach is a very mature brand. Kate Spade's kind of like a like a younger version of that. So they kind of handbags, um, luxury goods. But they they owned a couple hundred million dollars and few several hundred million dollars of real estate in downtown Manhattan because you know they coach had been around for a long time they built this building and they sold the building for a few hundred million dollars and did a lease back but of course why would they do that well because they pulled a bunch of equity out of the business their income didn't go down because as a result but they can now do something with that money they can allocate that capital differently than how it was previously being used. So how it was previously being used was downtown Manhattan real estate. So the return on assets for that building 
like cap rates in Manhattan are like 0.5%, 1%. Like during COVID at one point, they were negative percent because people were willing to actually take a loss on buildings, but which they thought was going to be better in the long run than than elsewhere. But so cap rates downtown Manhattan are like 1%. So this, like what the hell does a luxury brand need to be in the real estate business for? Like why do they have to have $700 million tied up that they're saving one, you know, they're saving all the rent they would have, right? Which is 1%. So they're saving, you know, um, uh, 70, $70 million a year in rent payments, um, or not even seven, yeah, $7 million in rent payments, uh, that own the $700 million building, or so there's saving 1% per year, uh, per year, or they pull the 700 million, they could buy back shares, they could do pay a dividend. And then it's like, okay, so are you going to get a better than a 1% return buying back your own shares rather than owning this building? Are you going to, are your, uh, shareholders going to be able to get a better than a bit better than a 1% return? on their money than this, right? So less equity is preferable in most cases. And cap rate is the net income divided by the value of the property. The cap rate is the return on asset of the building effectively. As a percentage. Yeah. I mean, like in, in, like in, like in comp, like the way that companies would speak is return on assets in real estate, they call it a cap rate. But effectively, all it is is that what's the total assets divided or the the net income divided by the total assets? That's return on assets. And then how many assets you have in relation to how much equity you have is how much leverage you're using. So for example, if you have no debt, you have no, your assets to equity is the same. It's one for one. Yep. Right? But, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But the more debt you bring on, the more equity you're pulling out or it's less equity you need in the deal, Right. But it depends on, you know, it, you know, debt's not terrible in all cases, it depends on how it affects you. It depends on what, the, you know, how much are you paying for the debt? It depends on uh, how it's going to impact you long-term as far as flexibility and things like that. Mm-hmm. True. Dude, come to think of right. it, having 0% interest rates for this long ass time was actually insane. It's free money. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, wow. it's, well, so it's really interesting when you think about, where people have actually made money over the last 10 years isn't even necessarily by from being more productive, but it's that a government agency basically just turned off the gravity for like 10 years. Actually, you could say that, you could say that for the last 20 plus years, the government's been decreasing the gravity. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden now, you know, people there's cost you know, of money. Well, uh, well, and which gets very interesting when you start thinking about the value of these banks that people might be sleeping on, mm. and because, like, if you look at like a bank's inventory is the uh is 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 on the asset side of their balance sheet, so that like on the, on the asset the side of the balance. Uh, no, no, that's no, uh, that's a liability. Oh, it is. You're right. You're right. Yes. Deposit so on the income, asset. Though. Yes. Uh, uh, non, deposit, non. Well, deposit income wouldn't be on the, it would, it would be a, it would, I guess it'd be like a, a subcategory that'd be on the income statement, but on the balance sheet would be, uh, you know, like it's loans and it's securities, right? So these would be like bonds that they hold or, you know, loans they've made to business owners or 
consumer credit card. Yeah, these are assets of the bank because they they own these assets. You know, because the of course, yeah, because if you look at it, it's logical why these would be assets to a bank because they're a liability to someone else. Like exactly. my yeah, yeah. my mortgage is a bank product. Like it's a it's it's a liability to me, but on on First National's balance it's sheet, an it's asset, an asset for sure. But but so it so interesting enough though is that the price of that asset isn't as important. And that's why if you look at the the question that I had asked um, was very specific. Actually, I'll see if I can pull it up. The question that I asked, because it's this is we're going to get into this a little bit, but um, I do. But I do have to, to go the, in like 10, 15 minutes. I yeah, do want to go eat and go to bed. Um, are you interested in what I'm talking about, though? Yes. OK, OK. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm not like losing here at the end. But um, so if you look at what the inventory of a bank is, it's it's the collection of assets they've been able to accumulate. Right. So. But because money is an a, a, a commodity, like on the lending side, so the asset side of a bank, like there's not that much value that one bank's going to be able to, you know, maybe get out of the market than another. Like, I mean, there's market rates for for debt, right? So if you look at where the value really is, it's and this is getting back to the cost of money, it's in a bank's ability to mine money from society that derives its value. <laughs> right so during a zero during a, a state of during okay so banks will pretty much always have there's very very few if any banks i can only i always only able to find one and even then it, it in like a roundabout way it technically had a negative cost on its deposits but very very minor um banks will pretty much always have a cost of acquiring acquiring capital right so when when interest rates are zero uh the the the, uh the value of acquiring money at even three percent which is cheap in the long run is not that valuable right because if if most people are able to you know borrow anywhere from zero to three percent if you're mining money out of society like the cost of your deposits that you then loan out right so the, the spread between what they they the cost of their deposits and how much they lend out at that's 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 their profit right there's not that much value to be had right now that interest rates are returning to normal right or or normalizing or potentially increasing right they're, they're getting back to this historical averages now all of a sudden that actually is valuable right the same way that like if you look at where warren buffett made so much of his money was in insurance now insurance is different than banking because in 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 banking, you're pretty much always going to have a a, a pot, you know, like a, a cost of acquiring capital. Whereas in insurance, you can actually have a negative cost, like as in you could underwrite insurance policies that are profitable. So you're generating float or premiums, right? Like you're writing a premium to someone. Like when you pay for your insurance, you're paying up front, but you're not. It's not like you're making a claim the same day. Like you're paying insurance over time, and the bank and the insurance company has that money, and then eventually you make a a, a claim. So. They so that's that's technically you're loaning the bank or the insurance company money. They can make money on that, so they can actually have a negative cost of capital, right? Which is highly advantageous. In a, in a, like so, if interest rates are like eight percent and you're having a negative cost of capital, there's a massive fucking spread, right? In between how much an average person can loan money and how much you can get money at. So that, that, that's obviously creating a ton of value for the business. Mm. Yeah. You have nobody to talk to about this stuff other than us, is there? No, on Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Jeff Gannon. Yeah, I talk. I talk to a lot of guys on Twitter now. Twitter, dude. I I know that you don't have like a you know. I, same with myself. I don't have like positive opinions about a lot. Like you know about a lot of social media. I will say though, Twitter can be a fucking can be. Dude, of course. I mean, you know, it's like a hammer. I mean, you can miss and smack your thumb, but but um, <laughs> well, no, you can though, right? No, but, it's just very true. Yeah, you're one click but, away from like some. Old but I'll say girl. though, it's it's interesting. Um, like, there's a pretty dedicated investing community um, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, there's like like fin fin twits, what they call it. <laughs> No. But uh, there's like a whole, but there's a whole community of people you can actually talk to, right? And and like they're like, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like a little like club for geeks. Mm. That's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Very quickly, how was your week, man? Uh, pretty good. Hold on, let me just see where my food is. Sort of some food. Uh. It's eight minutes away. All right. Uh, week was really good. Um, came back. I I have like an amazing team. I came back from Jordan. Team was like doing well without me. Uh, very fun group of guys. Uh, I made updates to the program that the customers were ha- very happy with. I'm making more updates. Things are good with Patrick. We're going to pay out dividends. We're working on some couple of investments. How do you decide? dividends um just on like different things it's like uh it's basically no, our curious, monthly like monthly ex- have... monthly expenses out six months yeah but so like you guys so but how often like do you have a dividend plan or is it like special oh yeah, yeah oh that's what you mean oh i see no 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 we have like a whole spreadsheet where like how dividends get split up between us and I get bonuses based on specific because I'm owner CEO. So like I get more dividends than himself based on performance and stuff like that. Yeah, um, okay. And then, and then what's ever left. So, but like, as we grow, it goes more to like our, our split. Um, but like when, it, when it's at this size, I get more. So it's just, it. a, yeah, it's pretty good. I think it's uh, been pretty fair so far. Um. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm excited for the new year. Is yeah. it your first dividend? No, no, no. Okay. Okay, well, you should tell me when you get your first one. It's kind of exciting. I think I did. I don't, well, I don't. I for I sure did. Know. I mean, it, you it was July. It, but I don't know if you like. It was July, yeah. July was my best month Might have been ever. a casual thing. No, 100%. I mentioned it, and then a couple of months later, I gave you a call. I was, like, in the gym. I was, like, concerned with some stuff. And you're like, ah, oh, shit. And then what did I got to figure it out. We talked about it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just excited uh, to grow the business. I think we have – oh, we made a new hire. So we have, like, now an account manager our first ever international DM who will basically district manage coach and ensure the success of people joining the program and mm, customers get, cool. and customers get that for free. So uh, for now, is he just on salary then? Um, salaries plus bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, of course. It, it, it's cool. It's cool how much we're paying him. Cause it's like, yeah, that's a lot, <laughs> but he deserves it. 
he's going to be very important for the growth of the team and the sales team. Because one of our biggest concerns, it's like, okay, we're, we're selling, we can sell, but like we need to make sure the customer is getting the absolute best quality and experience. And now yeah, this guy's literally his selling, whole right? life. Different things. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just always a balance, right? So now we have this guy who just has all the right characteristics. Is he StudentWorks? Was was StudentWorks West, yeah, his name's Landon. Landon? Yeah. Would I know him? I don't know. Landon Young? No, I don't know the guy. Yeah. Super smart, ran a super good business, super detail-oriented, math-oriented, systems-oriented. And is... Landon Young. Recently? What? Student works? Yeah, I think he did like two or three years. Um, I have his interview note. I interviewed... I, when we interviewed for this position, I interviewed extremely aggressively yeah how do you hear about it through uh the podcast uh well he listens to the podcast but he was referred in by dylan who is uh patreon yeah patreon um yeah his dms angelica yeah he did two years in student works he did uh, 226 and 252 so yeah i don't know yeah we have a stellar team and what we're going to try to create between now and December, I'm very excited about. Um, I find it interesting that you've been able to build such a good team of student works operators. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we have some real superstars. And... Like it goes to show, like, because you must have sold them on like some sort of like, um, well, I guess not necessarily must, but they must have a like growth, like a growth, um, like a lot of growth in front of them, if that makes sense within the business. One hundred. Yeah, I mean, I actually have like, like how many policy. how many staff do you have at this point? Um, four. See, like that's interesting because, like, I, when I when I look at like having four, including Landon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't speak for Landon, but I mean, if you look, if you do the math on like what they were making in student works and like what they would have to make for you to like justify like, you know, running their own business versus working for you or, you know, obviously there's a bit of a difference between running your own business and working for someone else. There's a bit of maybe a different of a, comp, a compensation gradient there where if you're working for someone else, you can't necessarily expect to make as much if you were than if you're on your own per se, um, oh, like for, sure, for the yeah. same, for the same thing, but all those well, depends also though. Certain, well, yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of going to be a lot of exceptions there, but I'm just saying as a general rule of thumb, if you're working for someone else, you're not going to be as, making as much as the boss themselves per se um so but like when i when i when hear like four staff um okay but but fair enough but like but when i hear even four partners though i i i hear like those have all got to be like people that are making six figures working for you and so if that's the case you know on uh you know like on one point like like you you're gonna need to do like at least 1.5 million dollars in sales well you're making a lot of assumptions in, in that I am no no I am no I am yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I am I am no I yeah, am making yeah. a lot of assumptions but I'm saying like in a world where all those guys make 50 grand though like that's I I don't see like how there's no way they're gonna keep stick around probably like, no, unless no, there's no. some sort of yeah they're not here no, to make 50 grand yeah no no I know but I'm saying if they're all there to make six figures though and and not necessarily low six figures right I'm just saying like that's the way that I would think about that like that like that I hear like like the yeah. revenue number in order to support that 
like a million wouldn't really make sense then. Cause I mean, the, the, you'd have a worse labor percentage than a painting business, which you shouldn't have. Right. Sure. Yeah. You would have loved to be present in those um, interviews, onboarding and hiring process. It's highly logical. And I even build them like a custom roadmap where like, I have to deserve them at like different checkpoints where it's just mm -hmm. like, Hey, like the fact of the matter is you are talented here's our value proposition here are your options no but but i'm yeah. saying it speaks to the confidence you have in your business though is what i'm saying correct because like like for example like i can't afford three people I, I couldn't afford four people from student works mm, I got you. like because because the revenue just wouldn't make sense in the business like like if i paid if i paid mid six figures or high six figures for four like highly competent student works operators like like if i i couldn't afford four brady's for example like the revenue numbers just wouldn't make like we just we wouldn't be able to produce enough revenue to justify it right mm -hmm. based on the assumptions you're making yeah for sure correct yeah 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 no but i'm I'm excited i mean all these guys have an owner mentality but, like but take in mind though you're also assuming you can you can afford them based on your assumptions though so it goes both ways for sure yeah yeah it's a dance but they, at, the, at the end of it it's like uh will i do my job will they do their job uh, will we deserve to work with each other for longer periods? That's just really what it comes down to. And yeah, I like I find it. That, I, like I, it. I find that pretty pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, we're like ridiculously transparent with them too. So we tell them everything. I think you'd ha you'd have to be. I think yeah, like, yeah. if you have a culture where your people are getting paid on their performance mostly or only, yeah. If there's no transparent, I mean, yeah. Like with Brady, you can only imagine a level of transparency I have to I have to have with him. Yeah. Yeah um the biggest thing for all these guys is learning and one of the like they want to like the, the main reason they joined wasn't financial it's like to learn specific skill sets and the well, biggest that's an assumption though hmm? no that's what they told me yeah but fair enough but i mean yeah maybe i don't know we can keep going down this rabbit hole of assumptions <laughs> no way uh, you're the one that went down it but all i'm saying is like do you actually believe that a bunch of 20 year olds that are joining a growth company aren't financially motivated? No, I never said they weren't. They are. And they're also growth. Like um, uh, they, they just want to learn, learn different things. Yeah. Okay. Which we're doing a really good job at. Um, some of these guys are already four months in. And I've already had one of them tell me that he had the best day of his life, like a couple of weeks ago. Right. So that's fucking cool, man. I it's like amazing. That. I'm like in an amazing position. So yeah, I just got to perform, you know? And, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm in, I'm in good places. I got people like you in my corner. So I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you too, man. I appreciate you listening to me. I appreciate you talking to me, <laughs> truly. So, yeah, man, I hope you have a good week. And, uh, yeah. I'll have some paint bookings by the end of next week. <laughs> good. Let's do it. Let's okay, do, cheers, brother. Let's do it. Right. Thank you, man. Peace. Hey listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well.
Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you.